Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out the One Man Podcast. There's now over 200 episodes and dozens of bonus interviews, all of which are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you know what? If you don't have any of those apps, no big deal, because you can listen anytime at onemanpodcast.com. So be sure to subscribe, because it's always free, and there's a new episode out every Wednesday. And while you're at it, leave a review. It's a great way to help the podcast, and it doesn't cost you a thing. Follow One Man Podcast on all the major socials, and you'll get bonus content and pictures, fun stuff for yourself. And finally, if you have something that you want read on the show, send it to contact at onemanpodcast.com, because if you send it, I'll read it on an upcoming episode. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is DJ Demers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercer. What's up, guys? This is Paul Verzi, and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 200 for Wednesday, March 10th, 2020. We made it right here, 200 episodes of the One Man Podcast, and it has been quite the journey, guys. I've had so much fun uh, making this podcast and bringing it to you over the years, and of course, uh, there's been times where it's been, uh, you know, a little late, a little behind, and I apologize for that, but you know what? Full steam ahead. This is like the it's like, a, like New Year's of the podcast, where it's like 200, we're starting fresh, we're going forward, always on time, no excuses. You know, we're going to get this to you guys. Welcome. If you're a new onesie, if you've never tuned into this podcast before, I'm happy to have you. And we have quite an episode for you now. So you didn't pick a bad time to jump in at all. There could be, could be no better time, I would argue, to start listening to the One Man Podcast. So as always, guys, I will tell you what's going on with me. We'll start the episode off with that. And then I have some fun stuff for you later on. 10, 10 guests on this episode. And all of them were uh, little, little check-ins. Um, and I'll tell you more about that later on as we get to that part of the show. Um, the 200th episode one man podcast, limited edition collectors boxes are being delivered. Um, I've already received messages from several people across North America who've received their boxes. Um, lots and lots of fun, super excited. Some people have even, you know, uh, FaceTimed me while, while they open it just because they're, you know, do a little unboxing. It's so much fun, so much fun. So if you're new to the one man podcast, thanks for, for joining in. Really appreciate this. You're going to have a blast. You've picked no better episode to start with than episode number 200. And, uh, you know, just some fun stuff that I'll, I'll just throw off the top. Um, I've had the pleasure of recording this podcast all over the place. I've recorded this podcast, and I say all over the world, but technically, I mean, North America and Scotland. But I've recorded this podcast, you know, Toronto, London, uh, Ontario <laughs> for my Canadian listeners, uh, or I should say international listeners, the Canadian, London, Ontario, Canada is, uh, where I recorded, I've recorded in Toronto. I've recorded in Montreal. I've recorded in, uh, Los Angeles. I've recorded in, you know, uh, Scotland, Glasgow specifically. I've had a blast doing this. I've, uh, it's really cool that it's the kind of thing that I can just pick up. I've recorded in New York, you know, the, the, you know, it's great. It's great. What a great time. And, uh, and I've had many co-hosts over the years, which is something that people have brought up from time to time. Hey, you know, it's the one man podcast. And then every now and again, you'll have someone else with you. You know what I mean? And it's really funny because, um, yeah, and I can still make an argument for it. It's like, you know, when I have a guest, Hey, we're still just talking about my week. I just happen to have someone else who's chiming in on it. You know, I'm the kind of guy that even when it's supposed to be just me, I can't help, but bring someone else in to share the love. You know, I'm just, I'm just that kind of guy. Um, but I've had many 
friends and colleagues and people, uh, just co-host with me, you know, not, not have their own episode, just come in and, and join. And I'm going to show them a little bit of love in just a second and thank them for, for their contributions to the podcast over the years, as well as the bonus episodes, the bonus episodes themselves. Well, Hey, the, the one man or the one person who's being showcased in those episodes are, are people of, of interest, you know, colleagues, friends, you know, great, great people. And, uh, I definitely suggest you check those out guys. So if you're, again, if you're relatively new to this, or if you're someone who's been listening for a long time, um, I do know that I have some onesies who are like, Oh, I just listened to your episode. I'm like, Hey man, the interviews are great. And then I have people who are honestly like, you know what? I just listened to the interview as well. They're going to miss out on a ton of cool stuff on this episode because it's not being, uh, I guess advertised as an, as an interview episode. It's just episode 200. So there's a ton of great stuff coming your guys' way in this episode, but I want to start off by thanking um, a lot of people who've listened uh, over the years, all of you guys. There are some onesies who've been here since episode one, and I tell you, they've been through some boring hiccups where, you know, sometimes just for like a month straight, there's been just kind of like, meh. And, uh, you know, and that's what happens when your podcast is about your life. If you have a month, that's just meh. And I mean, who hasn't in the last year with, with the pandemic and everything like that, just had times in your life where you're like, you know what, there is not a lot going on. And I tell you, this will be a part, you know, we'll all remember, you know, 10, 20 years of the pandemic. Oh, you remember when COVID hit and all that stuff. But in terms of remembering every day, especially if you're like me, where you're, you know, in entertainment or your industry has been shot down and you're just kind of like, what do I do with myself every day? You know what I mean? It's, uh, each day won't stand out. And I tell you, when you got a, when, when you got a recount every single day, whew, I tell you, that can be, that can be, you're reaching. You're like, well, you know, I lifted up the couch and there was more dust bunnies under there than I thought, you know, and then I had to figure out how to disassemble my vacuum cleaner and clean out the clogs. Like, you know what I mean? Eh, you know, you're, when you're, when you're reaching to make content. So, uh, thank you to everyone who's been through the, uh, the thick and thin. thank you to everyone who's joined and has just developed this as part of their week. I, I definitely appreciate you. Um, know that every single one of you that spends any of your time with me, I look at time as a currency, you know, uh, it's something you spend, you can't get back. So the fact that you're spending it with me, uh, I, I from the bottom of my heart, can't tell you how much it means to me. So thank you uh, for listening to people who will reach out, you know, via emails, people who reach out, you know, text, messenger, whatever it is. It's just nice to hear from everybody. And I appreciate the fact that you're listening. So um, here's some of the uh, amazing people um, who've made the one man podcast, just, you know, helped and contributed and made some of those episodes a little more colorful by having a second voice and chatting with me. Uh, my buddy, Chris, probably the person who has co-hosted the most episodes with me. Um, thanks. Big thanks to Chris. Chris and I have a great way of arguing with each other about regard, you know, and, and, and constructive arguments, you know what I mean? Like a back and forth. So it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Chris will find a way, or I guess I do too, sometimes find a way to be contrarian to the discussion, just just to create a little bit of, uh, you know, what static, a little bit of a, of a, of an arc for you guys to listen to and go, Ooh, which way is this going to end? Ah, that's another thing. If you're new, you may hear me slurp a, a coffee or something. I don't edit this. All right. Something happens. It happens. That was life. You know what I mean? I try not to edit life. Uh, <laughs> It's like Instagram filters. You know what I mean? I go filterless. I woke up this way. That's how it is for me. Uh, my pal Red, Vanessa, out in uh, London, Ontario. Again, one of the reasons I recorded there. Um, she's been on several times with me. A good friend of mine. Um, you know, we go way, way back. It's, it was great having her multiple times on the episode. Brings a little bit of the uh, the lady flair, right? To the contrast of my, I was going to say toxic masculinity. I don't think I'm toxic masculine. But, you know, hey, if I am, send me an email, contact at onemanpodcast.com. You guys can come at me with anything. I'm good with that. Um, my buddy Mikey, 
Um, I, I don't want to throw his, I'm not throwing anyone's last names out just out of respect, but my buddy Mikey, uh, who went to Los Angeles with me and New York, um, great, great friend, great comic, great guy to just travel with and hang out with. Uh, Mikey co-hosted the episode that I recorded from Los Angeles and, uh, and was with me co-hosting some of the interviews I did while, while there. And that was great. Uh, my buddy, Matthew, who's currently out East has been listening since day one. Uh, Matt's co-hosted some episodes with me. my buddy, Paul Crummy comic. I know he'd be cool with me saying, uh, both of his names. Um, you know, fucking Mikey would too. Mike LeBlanc, comedian guys, uh, Mike LeBlanc, check out his stuff online if you like. Uh, my buddy Paul Crummy has uh, co-hosted an episode with me. My friend Tasha from high school, we go way, way back. My pal Izzy and I, um, also uh, someone I've worked with in marketing, good friend. Um, both Tasha and Izzy, uh, recent episodes, 194 with Tasha, 196 with Izzy. And, um, just great episodes, chatting, bringing up stuff. Uh, Izzy and I read a book and reviewed it. That was incredible. Um, and even my buddy, Paul Meyerhawk, great comic travels all over the planet performing stand-up comedy. Uh, even Paul, uh, co-hosted an episode with me. And as a matter of fact, at the same time, we also recorded the segment that you'll hear with him a little later on in this episode. So, um, these are just great people guys. Uh, you'll, you'll see them listed in the episodes you know, when I do something, so just, uh, thank you to all of these people who have sat down with me and just, you know, Hey, you want to come in and do an episode? Sure. We sat down and this is just people who would go through my week with me and ask some questions that maybe you guys would have had. And of course I want to say a big thank you to my pal, Angie in uh, Texas, who has also co-hosted the, the podcast with me. Um, and she's also the person who helped conceptualize the collector's box. So when I was talking about something special I wanted to do for the, whatever, she was honestly the one who said, well, why don't you do like a collector's box? Um, Great suggestion. It has turned out to be a big success. I'm very grateful for that. You can hear me chat with my pal, Angie, on one of the episodes as well. So just guys, a, a, a colorful cast of people who've made the one man podcast, uh, just a little more special than if it had been just me talking to the wall. And I'm grateful for all of them. I hope to have them all back again. And I look forward to introducing new friends of mine to you guys. Um, you know, in the future of the podcast, uh, more people have gotten excited about it. It's great. And like I said, it, it, I, I'm grateful for anyone who's listening. A lot of the times too, my, my guests end up being listeners of the podcast who just, you know, they'll reach out and chat sometime and I'll go, you know what, you want to, you want to come on and, and co-host one with me? You know, we'll shoot the shit and you know, so, um, big thanks to that. This is all just housekeeping so far, but, uh, I want to make sure like a milestone like this, that everyone is, is, you know, appreciated for their contributions, everything like that. Thank you to everyone who's ever sent an email, um, means the world to me. It's great to be able to talk about something that I know at least one other person cares about. Um, and yeah, that's, that's that. Um, I, uh, this week I have got, uh, I recorded, sorry, I didn't record. I, I am getting ready to record something for, uh, just for laughs for their just for laughs original series. We did the warm up show, um, on, on Sunday night and that was interesting. So the, the yuck yucks location has moved, uh, from, from downtown to the, the pavilion out sort of by Dow's Lake, which again, internationally or anywhere else, you might not know what that is, but, um, Ottawa, is the, uh, where I live, the capital of Canada has the world's quote unquote out largest outdoor skating rink. We have a canal that goes from the Rideau river all through sort of all through the, the downtown core and through big residential area. And then it comes to a, a an end at uh, Dow's Lake, big, large Lake where people paddle boat and stuff like that in the summer and the winter time, it all freezes and people can skate along the canal. People will actually skate to work. They'll bring their skates down, skate on it. And you know, they're out downtown or whatever. It's, it's gorgeous. And it's something that living in Ottawa, my entire life I've taken for granted. Um, but it's absolutely gorgeous. And now the big pavilion, the big, large, uh, building that's on Dow's Lake where it housed, you know, a few different restaurants, uh, Yuck Yucks is there now. Um, 
they it's it's currently their temporary location because they just closed down on uh on wednesday so the day the last episode came out uh we just found out that like oh there's there's you know, we're not going to be doing the shows there. We're going to be doing them here. So it was a bit of a last minute switch. And of course, when you're, when you're setting up a new venue, there's bugs to be worked out. So, um, I have been stressing about this recording, uh, throughout the week, as well as like stressing about getting, you know, everything put together and edited and things like that for this episode. So, um, it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy week. I'm not, (laughs) not shitting on it or anything like that. And I don't mean the venue, I mean, it's just the week is, um, I did on Thursday night, I did a spot at absolute comedy to try to get myself ready for this show. Um, just for laughs. I don't expect a lot of you people to know what that is. Anyone in Canada would know because it's, it's, it's a big comedy festival in Montreal. It's actually the world's largest comedy festival. Um, being asked to perform at this festival is a, is a great honor in my, in my, uh, I don't know. I, I say that like doing just for laughs or being asked to do just for laughs is like the closest thing to getting a comedy diploma. Um, it used to be way back in the day that doing just for laughs meant that, you know, you'd made it, you know, and, and so you could get seen and you can get a development deal and, and a show or, you know, get a ton of gigs and like a lot of things could happen from just for laughs. And sometimes they still do, but it's, it's much more rare for myself. Um, you know, growing up, my mom used to always watch stand up with us. And she was the person who, for the longest amount of time, uh, encouraged me to be a comedian, even though I didn't want to be. And so the thing is like, when you're a stand up comic guys, at least this is how I look at it. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm never going to bring home, a. a a law degree. I'm never going to bring home a medical license and say, Hey mom, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. That's never going to happen for me. Um, Yes, it could, if I apply, blah, blah, you know, stranger things have been done, but ultimately that's not what I want to do anyways. So the idea is when you're like, Hey, I want to be a clown, um, going to the just for laughs festival, being asked to perform at the just for laughs festival, performing there is the closest thing to bringing home that law degree that I would be able to do. It's, um, it's, it's not, it's not something that's like, Hey, you've made it. Now the work is over. It's really, it's quite to me. It's like that graduation where it's like, okay, the biggest comedy festival in the world has recognized that you're funny. So go do it. Go now, go pursue that with your life. Go be funny. Um, so I have, I have performed at the just for last festival in Toronto, which is what they call JFL 42. I have performed at that festival. Um, and, and recently I was asked to be a part of this JFL, uh, you know, that's what acronym is of course, just for laughs, uh, the JFL originals label where, uh, they're recording, um, a bunch of comedians all over the country and they will be selecting certain sets and things like that to put on their albums. And of course, submit to satellite radio and whatnot. So I've been asked, uh, to be a part of that. So that's, it's something you don't want to screw up. Um, and at the same time, you don't want to, I, I just, I I'm waiting for the day when the festival asks me to go be a part of it in Montreal, where you get that lanyard with your name on it, artist, all that fun stuff. Like to me, that will be all right. We did it. We did it. We've proved that we can do this and, uh, you know, keep, keep chasing it. Cause you Lord knows anyone who's been listening to this podcast since day one, there's been ups and downs, man. There's been times where, you know, the comedy's just, you know, it's, it's, you're not feeling it. You don't feel like that funny bone is still in you. You know, and, and people have heard all the different job type things I've done in the interim, you know, alongside comedy, but just, you know, and just the, you know, should I just lean into the other stuff and, you know, maybe say, Hey, I had fun and it's, uh, it's a crazy thing, but, but anyways, this, 
this being asked to do this, I wanted to do well. And of course, it's happening on the exact same week as the 200th episode, all the editing, uh, all the other stuff I got going on. So it's just been a, a big stress. So on Thursday night, I went to Absolute to try to play around with some of the stuff that I wanted to do for this recording. It's only a little 10 minute spot. And, uh, it was good. I got to, to work with my buddy, Julian Dion, uh, who's been a friend since, you know, right at the very beginning, he was uh, a little further along than I was when I started, but, um, it's been great to watch him succeed. Uh, my buddy, Joey Elias, one of the, the best in the country, uh, kind, uh, community guy, uh, that took me on the road for the very first time. So the first comedian to ever say like, Hey, do you want to come, you know, open for me in a club in Montreal? Like that was crazy. It was, it was an honor and it was, it was so good to me. Good friend. We, we even had lunch uh, yesterday with, uh, with Jason, the owner of absolute and, and himself, another comic. Um, it was great. It was great. Just, you know, seeing my friend again. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that was Thursday night. I tried, I even tried some new lines that I thought of in, the. <laughs> in the, the bathroom getting ready and they ended up working too. That's always great when a line just pops into your head and you're like, Oh, fuck it. This could work. Give it a try. And it does great. So part of my week this week was, was going to absolute and doing a show, getting ready for, uh, this recording. And then Sunday night we did like a dress rehearsal at this new venue for yuck yucks, where they basically just brought in the sound recording and everything like that. And just kind of practice what it would be like. Um, it went okay. I was on first, never a good thing. Now it's like, unless you're just doing a spot or something, but when you're doing like a competition show or a showcase or something like that, going first always sucks. Um, and one of the reasons is the crowd is aware that something special is happening. Their expectations are very high based on, on that. Um, also in this case, it's COVID social distance. We're behind plexiglass. It's a big open restaurant room. It was just not ideal. Um, and it was stressful for me because I was already stressing about doing it in a comedy club. Then that club closes. We had a message, Hey, it's going to be somewhere else, you know, a few days beforehand, just stressful. Um, I did okay. Wasn't happy with it. I got to see some, a bunch of other comics I haven't seen in a while. So it was great to see them, but ultimately, uh, wasn't happy with how it went, but it was just dress rehearsal. Guess what? After this show today, after I'm done recording this, um, I'm going to go do the real thing tonight. Man, is that ever stressful, huh? Recording the 200th episode, putting it all together, and then going to do the the big recording all in one day, huh? Why is my acid reflux so bad today? Um, so that's that's kind of what's been been going on with me. I uh, I actually did put in some some nice things to do this week just to make sure that I didn't completely destroy my stomach lining. I uh, I went with my mom to get some. Uh, some work done on her car. She had a, a recall and needed an oil change. So went with her. And then while that was getting done, I took her to, uh, we went to, uh, went to the mall. First time the mall has been open since the, they opened it up. We, we went there to, uh, pick ourselves up some more Nespresso and have lunch. It's just something easy peasy. It was good. It was good. Something to take my mind off of all of the work. Um, on Friday night, I went to my buddy Mika's house, longtime listener. I, I believe a day one listener of the podcast. Um, it went to, uh, to deliver him his, uh, his collector's box and, uh, and play some games with him and his lovely wife. I got to have dinner with them, see the kiddos. Um, it was great. It was absolutely great. Um, I just crossed off a note here on my list. Uh, no, it was the collector's box. I was good to cross, cross that one off. He actually told me something. Let's, let's slow things down here. Now he told me this and I'm not quite sure where it came from. Apparently, uh, we have yet another thing that is not okay in society. My buddy told me that uh, apparently playing cards, uh, pe people have taken issue with playing cards now. So 
uh, he brought it up and he's like, yeah, no, you know what? Uh, he goes like playing cards are not okay. And I go, what, what's the issue? He goes, well, uh, apparently the, somebody is upset because the King has a higher value than the queen. Oh boy. Well, that's a serious issue plague in our world. Someone already ran out of other shit to take issue with. So now we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take, we gotta get rid of that, you know? And so he was asking me, he's like, so what do you think? Like the, he's like, you know, the Jack queen King, that's, that's not okay now because of the, the different, you know, values. And I was like, well, did this, did this woman take care of Like, here's the thing. He didn't even say it was a woman. I think he did say it was a woman, but I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, if he didn't smart money, the smart money's on that. It was a woman who took issue with this. Um, so, oh, and speaking of which happy, uh, international women's day on uh, Monday. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's like, so what do you think they changed it to? And then naturally I said something, uh, funny yet offensive, uh, which I will not share with you because I want to keep doing this, <laughs> but, uh, it's just stupid. But, um, I, I, if you've ever heard that Louis CK bit that he does about offensive words, those were the three words that I figured would replace the three. Um, so and just, and you know, it was funny. He knows the bit. So we had a, we had a good laugh off of that, but, uh, apparently this, this woman, uh, has, has changed the Jack queen King to bronze, silver, and gold. So those are the, uh, those are the ones. Yeah. I can't wait till somebody, uh, takes issue with the actual, the actual elements inside and goes, Oh no, bronze. That's, that's uh prejudice that the Brown one is worth the less, you know, the least amount, you know, why is it that bronze has the lesser value in society? And they overhaul that whole thing. Uh, really funny to me. Um, and of course he told me that she has decided, uh, not decided she, she sells these, these better card packs where it's not, you know, ACE through 10 and then bronze, silver, gold. So that's, uh, that's something that, you know, she's created the problem and is also selling the solution, right? What a bitch, what a bitch. I just, guys, there's real issues in the world. There's real issues in the world. Um, the, the value of, of cards is ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, this person uh, takes no issue. I thought of this immediately. The second he said it, I go, oh, really? I'm sure she has no problem with chess where the queen is ultimately more powerful and valuable than the king. Um, so, you know, or, but then she'll probably be like, well, you're allowed to kill the queen and the whole thing ends when you kill the man. It's just a show you can kill a woman and nothing happens. And then, ugh, ugh, it's a game. It's a game based on old history. You know what I mean? Like now we have to go back and alter history. History doesn't exist anymore. Like this, that's fucking dangerous, by the way, going back and being like, no, we have to change what history was. There's so many sensitive people, man. Can we please, can we please start killing people? Please. Can we start killing people? Right. I'm trying to think like I, I tread lightly because this is the kind of thing in 10 years when I actually get success, someone will come back and go, who did he say? I had like five suggestions right off the top of my head, um, but I won't. So now you'll have to make the masses angry at me. We'll edit things times where others where I've said other things and put them in. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, I felt that one up brewing up. All right. So yeah. Um, the good news is the playing cards that come in your one man podcast, 200, uh, 200th episode limited edition collector's box are pure. They are pure unadulterated cards, man. They got the, the Jack. Hey, how's it going? Take my wife, please, of the medieval days. You got the queen. Oh, yes, husband. She's, I don't know. I thought the queen was always like the lady. Like she was like the good cop and the good cop, bad cop situation, right? That was, that's, that's what I thought. You know, when you look at the medieval movies, right? The king is all off with his head. Well, that was the queen of hearts. 
So maybe she was a bitch. But I'm saying, you know what I mean? The king was the one who was like being rough, doing all the military shit. And then you'd always see someone, you know, milady, blah, 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 to the queen talking shit to her. And she'd be like, oh, she'd be the, the calm head, right? Good cop, bad cop. And now this, this bitch comes out of nowhere and is like, you know what? Why can't the queen also be a bad cop? And every kingdom will be bad cop, bad cop, right? Stupid, stupid. Uh, I'd respect for the queen, but if she's going to be like the king, ah, well, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And maybe the queen can withhold the vagina from the king. And then all of a sudden his value becomes less except for five, I would say seven days of the month. That card, I'd say only seven days of the month is the king card actually worth more than the queen because that queen will be unable to negotiate, right? Her big bargaining chip is kind of off limits, you know, or maybe only half the deck, right? Maybe the two red Kings are the ones like, we don't give a fuck. Right. And they're, they have value. They have no value all the time. Right. Because those red Kings, they're the ones who will, they'll, they'll bang a bitch who's on her, on her period. You know what I mean? So they don't care. So she can hold that over him all the time. But then on certain, you know, just one week of the month, the black Kings are like, you got nothing to offer. Fuck it. I'm in charge. Highest value. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that all of those instructions come in this woman's... Oh, well, they're not. They're not, right? Because she doesn't use that. She uses bronze, silver, gold. Yeah, that's what the world's come to, guys. There we are. So I learned that this week, and I've told everybody. Not one person that I've told has not rolled their eyes at that. So um, if you are someone who's like, you know what? I agree. It should be bronze, silver, gold. Um, you can't handle history probably... You should probably find a way to remove yourself from society. Now, I'm not telling you to kill yourself, all right? That would have been something that you came to on your own. I'm saying just go build a shack in the woods or dig a hole, you know, in the forest and just lay in it and do whatever it is you need to do to survive away from other people, you know? Maybe you just shouldn't be near fun, you know? Just because you don't understand fun doesn't mean that everyone should not have it. Um, Man. That was a little grouchy, huh? Well, fuck it. Don't worry. We got, the, we got the funny coming up. Um, I, uh, what else we got here? So yeah, the just for last warmup show I told you guys about, I did lunch with Jay and Joey Elias and Colin. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'll keep it short guys. We got a lot to come up to, right? So I'm, I'm happy I got to do a spot. I'm happy I got to, to, to warm up at, uh, just for laughs or sorry, uh, absolute comedy for just for laughs. Um, I have some, uh, emails that I'll be reading coming up a little bit later on in the show and, May as well just toss it to what we got, what I got lined up for you guys. Okay. I'll just say real quick too. I did, uh, this was really fun. So as I mentioned before, my friend, Angie is the one who conceptualized the idea of the box. She's the one who, who planted the seed in my head that I later ran with and developed all the products and everything like that. But, um, she just got hers the other day and, uh, Angie's a part of my little PlayStation group. Uh, it's been really cool because again, during all this isolation, let's throw this, let's just throw this in the last year, these people have been uh, a big part of my life, just in the sense that like. They're the, they're the day-to-days. So while I'm stuck in this room, trapped in the off hours of whatever it is I'm doing, um, over COVID, I, I, you know, killed some time. Fuck your comic with no stage, a, a marketer with no market. Um, it was kind of cool to, to just be able to sit down and, you know, play some of the games I haven't played in a few years and things like that, just because I had no time, you know, or at least it made no sense to sit and play video games when you had shit you could work on. So the pandemic sort of gave me an opportunity to just slow down a little bit. And, uh, instead of being stuck inside all by myself going stir crazy, I had a cool group of people that, you know, play an online game here, meet somebody, chat, shoot the shit, uh, somebody, you know, 
are there. And then of course, over time, just amalgamating those groups, you know, you have a bunch of different people you've met online. They're all like, Hey, you want to chat, shoot the shit. And it's like, well, I'm with another person shooting the shit right now. And it's just like, fuck it, put everyone together. So now I've got this little, uh, online, <laughs> online family. So at the end of the day, you know, past the eight, nine o'clock hour, we all kind of log on. It's even funny because like the PlayStation has an app on the phone. So you can just join a voice voice group on your phone. So even if I'm not playing games or anything, I can just sort of throw it on, shoot the shit. And we have almost like these little audio zoom parties on a daily basis. You can't always show up, but, but it's there. It's, it's known that this group will all, you know, whoever's going to be online is there. So every day you get to sort of check in with your people. And, uh, and this group has been awesome. We're all in different parts of North America. Some of us in the world. Um, so it's really cool to be able to just, you know, how's everybody doing? How you, you know, what's new and exciting. Um, my group has been super supportive of this podcast and of course the box itself. So, um, Angie was the first one in the group to receive her box. And we did uh, last night, like a little, a little Facebook, uh, live or whatever it's called, not live, but, uh, face the FaceTime version of Facebook. Right. So we all, we all had the video on and, and Angie unboxed the thing it was my first time to actually be able to present it you know, to, to, to them. Right. And it was cool that it came to Angie first since she was the one who sort of helped come up with the idea. So it was just cool for everyone there to, to be able to see what was happening, you know, the unboxing, that was just a fun little time with friends. So, uh, that was something I really, really enjoyed doing last night. It made a lot of the work that I've been doing over the past few months, just, you know, with, you know, designing, you know, picking the products, revising the products, um, you know, designing the boxes and what's going to go, you know, in them and, and how they're going to be put together with like all the wrapping and packaging and everything like that. It's just, it was a lot of work, took a lot of my time. It was great to, to be in that moment with all of these people and just, just sort of see it, you know, uh, come to fruition. That was, that was a lot of fun. I had a blast. So thank you for that. My, uh, my internet family, uh, <laughs> so I just call them that, but it's cool. Like, and I, and it really helped with the, the isolation because instead of being stuck at home and you're just watching TV, watching movies or having the odd phone call here, it was just kind of this group is something we just sort of like let you leave it on in the background. And you know, if somebody wants to chat, chime in with something, it doesn't, it doesn't require all your attention. There's been times where I've edited the podcast or I've been writing something down or, you know, doing other things. And it's just cool to have, you just don't feel uh, as isolated. Right. When you got a group of people and the same group of people that you get to see on a daily basis and, and things like that. So, um, just a big hats off and I know they're all listeners. So as, as weird as that might sound to some, if you guys are like, how the fuck does that work? Message me right in uh, contact at one man podcast. Be like, what the fuck is this thing? Fuck it. If you want to join the group, if you're like, you know what? I could use a little group to chit chat with fuck all are welcome. We're a very accepting group. All right. So anyone is welcome at any time. All right. That's how it is. It's if, if you're feeling lonely, fuck it. Come on in, shoot the shit with us. We'll break your fucking balls. It's how it works. You know, we'll, we'll, uh, what do they call you? Jump you in, in a gang or blood in blood out, or we'll haze you or initiate you. But we are a very welcoming group. All, all are welcome. And it's, uh, I don't know, uh, clearly a, a, a group of supportive people. All right. So without further ado, um, I'm going to tell you guys about, uh, we're just going to give you a little bit of notes on what's uh, what I'm about to play for you and we'll go from there. The uh one man podcast has been fortunate enough to have several real great guests, comedians, uh club owners, uh celebrity chefs, uh actors, uh authors, uh pod other podcast creators, just all sorts of crazy talented people and and we're nowhere near stopping that. So I'm going to have more and more interviews. It's just a little easier when COVID's not going to happen. And, and I'm saying that because you'll even notice in some of these interviews, um, everything, 
I, I think the only one I got to do, two of them I got to do live was with Paul Meyerhaw and Jason Lawrence. And uh, all the rest of them were done either via Zoom or Facebook calling or whatever it was. And you're really limited by the quality of, of, you know, the equipment that you're using. So you'll hear me clear as a day. Cause I'm talking to the same mic when I was doing it. But if somebody was using, you know, a bad set of headphones or, or they had a, a shit speaker on their laptop, whatever, and this is not to come down on them. It is what it is. Um, you can really hear it in this. Um, the, I spent probably an hour with every single person that I interviewed and I call it an interview. It's not really an interview. It was more of just like a check-in, how you doing, what's new. Let's have a chat you know, and, and start playing some of this stuff. So it was, uh, I, I couldn't just put 10, uh, different check-ins at an hour piece. I couldn't make, give you guys a 10 hour episode that made no sense. And also to be quite honest with you, a lot of it, because these are friends of mine and we've all been sort of separated because of, of COVID and we're not seeing each other in clubs and stuff. Um, a good portion of, of our conversations were, Hey, how's it going? What's new? How's the pandemic treating you? How are things where you are? All that stuff. That's not stuff that you guys need to hear. It's not entertaining for you, especially not when they're asking me the same thing. You know, and I'm telling all of them what it's like in Ottawa. You don't need to hear me tell you 10 times what COVID has been like for the, you know, the industry, the city, things like that. So, um, as those of you who've been listening for a very long time are aware, the one man podcast, I don't edit the podcast. I only recently, like probably in the last 50 episodes started using the pause button. If I had to sneeze or cough or something like that, but I don't, I don't like editing what people say because it sometimes can change the context of what they're saying. Um, I didn't, I had to edit these episodes and the thing was we bounced back and forth like a regular conversation. So in some cases you guys are going to hear, um, the funny thing is there's cuts there. I spent hours and hours and hours editing these things and cutting. The funny thing is you're going to, you're going to think you hear a cut and there's no cut there. Um, and then there's times where you can't hear like, and, and there's times where it's like the full sentence, like, wow, that's great. And there's like five cuts in there because a lot of times someone will be like, you know, and then I was going down, uh, what was it? Uh, main street, you know, and all that, uh, um, uh, cut out. So you know, I was going down main street. You'll never know that there was, you know, a good two, three seconds of, uh, uh's. and then this happens numerous times through conversations again, hour long, just shooting the shit. How you been? So. And then there's times where you're going to think that I did a shit job of editing where someone goes, you know, I think, I think, I think, I think, uh, I think it's been like, and you're going to go, I think, I think, I think, I think, what did you, did you skip it? You did, did, nope. <laughs> there's times where even someone just, you know, has a hiccup. It's interesting because I'm listening to it going, there was even times where someone just the way they were talking sounded like a shitty edit. And I was like, fuck, how do I edit this to make them not sound like they're stuttering or like a hard cut, like a hiccup or something like that, or just a gasp where they take a deep breath before they say, so it's really funny to me because the edits sound cleaner and clearer than just human speech sometimes. So at some points I kind of had to just leave in the odd human error just so it didn't sound too perfect. Um, I've, I've had people, you know, I did a, there's one episode I did with a buddy a long time ago. I won't name him. Uh, he's on there and it's a great episode. I pointed people at that episode several times, but he is a very slow talker and he says, uh, all the time I edited that episode. Not, I didn't take any words that he said out other than, uh, or like, and you know, you know, so like, like, yeah, there you go. You know, you know, like, and, or, or if sometimes, sometimes people will repeat something three times, you know, you know, I think. I think, you know, I think, I think it was like, I'll take all those I, I things. Anyways, I'm, I'm telling you guys all this stuff just so that if at any point something sounds weird, knows that, know that I didn't change the context of what someone was talking about. 
You know, sometimes somebody we was saying something, oh, by the way, did so-and-so end up coming? Because blah, blah, blah. And like, you don't need that shit. That's gone. And even then, I was trying to do a bunch of little five to 10-minute segments. And I think I have predominantly 10, 15, 20-minute segments. So it's going to be a longer one, guys. I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. You're, you might hear some of them have kind of like a hard end to them. Like they finish the story. But just even the way they're talking, it sounds like there's more. There isn't. It's just it would change subjects and it would turn into like, okay, well, I'm just glad you're doing good, buddy, blah, blah, blah. So just all that shit you don't need to hear cut out. So all of the meat and potatoes of what people are saying, the stories, they're all there. If you hear anything that sounds like a hard edit or at the end or whatever, it was just a hard cut off because they immediately, dude, sometimes people mid-sentence, just like I just did there, mid-sentence will just switch gears into something. So like... I just want you to know that uh, it has been my policy not to edit things. I have edited these only due to no relevance to the, you know, their story or anything like that. And I also want to remind you that every single person that you are about to hear has an episode. They have a long episode in the, in the, the, the archives. So if you hear somebody here for the first time that you've never heard before, you're like, that guy was really funny or that guy was really interesting or that girl was, was hysterical, that girl. Yeah, guy, girl, whatever. Um, you know, that man, that woman, um, they're, they're here. Go find them. If you, if you like the little tidbit you got, go listen to their episode. There's at least an hour of them chatting somewhere else with more details and stuff. So um, please, please enjoy the content that, that that's here. And by the way, I have not, this is not a best of uh, clip show. I haven't gone into the old episodes and, and taken pieces from that. This is all new stuff, reconnecting with these people since our previous episode and giving you a little more something to celebrate the 200th episode. Um, forgive uh, some of the audio overall. I will run it through my, my scrubbing software, but some of it's going to sound like it was a phone interview and that's just limited by the things I, I, I had to adapt to COVID like everyone else. I used to say, I will come to you. Um, I will only interview you in person. So I, like I said, I've recorded this podcast in several different places, different States, different countries. And I always had my equipment with me and I always sat face to face with the, with the, the person, um, so I, I had to accept the fact that that's not going to be the case during COVID. It's not going to be the case um, with these interviews. So they are what they are. I will clean them up to the best of my ability, but I'm sure that you will enjoy them regardless. Um, I'm so, I'm so uh, proud and honored and grateful to be able to bring these to you, to be able to have these people in my life um, and during everyone's busy, uncertain schedules for them to make the time to just sit and shoot the shit with me for an hour. They all made themselves available to me. Uh, as soon as I asked, everyone was like, sure, what can we do? Like it was, it was really great. And I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm so thankful to everyone who took the time to, uh, to spend with me. So without further ado, the first guest on this episode is going to be my buddy Paul Meyerha, and he's got a road story for us. Road story, okay. Um, so uh, I was a young man. Um, I had just placed fourth in a competition in Alberta called the Battle of Alberta. It was an amateur competition. Now the winner uh, or the top five uh, got tours with Yuck Yucks. Um, so I was fourth, so I got a two-week tour with Yuck Yucks, one through British Columbia, one through Saskatchewan. And uh, back then, the tours were um, pretty good, paid well. You, like Saskatchewan, I think, was seven shows in a week oh, all wow. over. I mean, it was, it was a good run. It was, it was, it was back when everything was uh, humming in stand-up. And uh, I was, I believe, 19 years old. Um, 
I didn't know who this was, and maybe your listeners or yourself uh, will, but the yeah. headliner for this was uh, B.J. Woodbury. I don't right. know. Do you know B.J. Woodbury? I know who he is. I don't know if the listeners would. Okay. B.J., uh, I got love for B.J. Woodbury. He's one of those guys uh, in Canadian stand-up that uh, is absolutely, he's a legend. I mean, there's so many stories about this guy, and the reason is because he's uh, quite an intimidating stature. He is... Um, uh, taller than me, I'm six four, so he must be six six, um, and he looks like he like a biker, like a a big scary biker, mm-hmm. and he rides a Harley Davidson. He is a biker. He wears you know a, a, a black leather vest. He's got the beard. He looks like you're at a clubhouse for the HA. Like he's right. a scary individual. So I didn't know. I'm 19. Never met him before. He's. Uh, I got a phone call that was a gruff voice uh, saying, like, be at the Edmonton Yuck Yucks at the mall at, at, at 11 o'clock on Monday and I'll pick you up. Because we have a six-hour drive to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, for our first show. Ooh, Ooh very nice. Very nice. Um, so I was there, 11 a.m. I sat down with the box office girl. Uh, he ended up being two hours late. Um, so I sat there for two hours, just waiting for a guy I've never met before. My back was towards the window of the box office. So I was sitting in a chair on my back and uh, I was talking to the box office girl, which I, uh, who I adored. She was a great girl. And, um, you know, two hours in, she's like, well, where is this guy? And, and I'd heard rumors about him. And I was saying this to her saying like, I don't know, but apparently he's like super scary. And like, there's a lot of guys that have warned me that he's like a Trump. And I could see her face go like drop, you know? And yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> he's my behind me. Yeah, isn't he? <laughs> and he was. <laughs> And he heard what you were saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And he's like, are you fucking ready to go? Or something. He's two hours late. He's like, yeah, I'm expecting an apology to me. He's like, get your shit. We're fucking late. And I was like, yeah, you know, shit. And then, um, you know, I'm a bit full of piss and vinegar, a 19-year-old Alberta boy. So I was like, yeah, we're fucking late. Like, we're already kind of locking locking horns. Um, I sit down, and I, I think I called him Mr. Woodbury. In the car, and I was like, Mr. Woodbury, you know, uh, are we going to go through, you know, Battleford, or how do you think we should? And he's like, how the fuck should I know? I'm from fucking Ontario. You, uh, I don't fucking know which way to fucking go. And, and, like, and, uh, and immediately I was just like, okay. I put on my headphones to my uh, anti-shock Panasonic Discman. <laughs> That's how far back it was. It wasn't a Sony. It was the Panasonic. Panasonic. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nancy Kerrigan of Discmans. <laughs> Uh, fuck it. I I put my music on and we did not say a word to each other. A word. And I listened to music the whole way. Now we're four hours into the drive. We're going through a town called Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan. It's uh, basically a, a, a Petro-Canada on the side of the road and that's it. And, and one restaurant. I mean, it's nothing. It's about an hour and a half outside of Prince Albert. And a brown Oldsmobile... Um, coming to our left, and we're on a highway going about you know ninety or a hundred, mm-hmm. uh, just past kilometers the for the kilometers, American listeners. Yeah, this uh, it, you know he's coming up on a gravel road, and mm-hmm. he just didn't stop at the stop sign and T boned us. Right? Oh wow! Boom! And I mean, like we're going a hundred. This is like it's an accident, a big accident. How fast was he going on a gravel road to just fly out and hit you? He must have been going. 
50 or 60 or something like that. And the whole idea is that you're probably the only two cars anywhere near. That's yeah. A, that's just like the one thing that would have been astronomical. Oh, it's Odds just, are no, you're not going to hit it, but it's just perfect timing. Ridiculous. For yeah. Okay. I got my headphones on. Not a word said to between the two of us, me and BJ. Um, we are severely T-boned. I mean, like, t- like it's an accident. Yeah. I mean, there's like. Hit his side or yours? Uh, his on side. his side. Okay. Yeah. So I hit my head on the wind window and like the frame. Um, right. So I was, you know, I don't want to be dramatic. I was discombobulated, but I was okay. You know, I had a little cut and my shirt was cut some blood on it and stuff. And um, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I looked at BJ and he's like, obviously in pain, like in a lot of pain, you yeah. know? And I was like, I'm like, what the fuck, man? And uh, he, he's not saying anything. He's wincing. He's in pain. And then all of a sudden he just bellows out. I'm going to fucking kill him. <laughs> 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 he can't. He can't open up his door because the damage <laughs> right, is on it's there. Crushed right, it's can't, crushed. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, "Get the fuck, get out of the way!" And he's like, "He's a large man." So now I'm out on, into the ditch. We're in. He a doesn't ditch. even ask if you're okay. No. <laughs> get out so, of my way, rookie. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. So I've got to climb out. He fucking he, he he wiggles his way out of the damage, and he's holding his shoulder, and he goes immediately to this old mobile, which inside of it is about a ninety-year-old farmer inside of it that's hit us. <sighs> And now people have stopped, like, you know, other people have stopped as a crowd gathering or something. And this huge biker goes to the door. He's trying to rip the door open to kill this guy, right? <laughs> kill him. He's like, you motherfucker. She's a 90-year-old man. He's like, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And, but there, the damage on his car was luckily uh, big enough where his, his, it was lock solid as well. It couldn't, it couldn't open the door. So <laughs> It was divine intervention. Yeah. Like, we can't have... We can't have Zeus kill the fucking old yeah. guy in the middle of this yeah. back road. I'm surprised that just seeing BJ coming for his door didn't kill him. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, would, like you can tell, he was like he he was not doing well himself, and uh, That's so yeah. Funny. And now people are trying to calm him down. Uh, so I'm like BJ, like calm, you know, calm down, calm down, and uh, so we get him away from trying to murder the old man. Now the gas station. <laughs> Just that in a we get this guy away from trying to kill him. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very reasonable. <laughs> the gas station is just down the road. So BJ, you know, this is a time before, you know, I'm sure we had cell phones, but what you know, they're you know, burner phones that cost it. So BJ's right, and like, they haven't even got that. I'm sure it's an area that's probably not yeah. super developed with million dollar cell phone towers. Yeah, no cell phone towers. BJ's first thought not is to get help for himself. And he's obviously something's wrong with him. He's like, we got to call Judy and Nancy the bookers and tell them what happened. So like, you know, this is first thought. And we're going to be late for a gig. We got to go. We got to call the bookers. Right. So has he asked if you're okay at this point? No, the absolutely blood not. on your head? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no. Um, and again, I have love for BJ. This is just the way it happened. Um, and so now we go to the gas station, go to the pay phone. Now, Blaine Light, Saskatchewan is so far in the middle of nowhere that there is no ambulances, all right? So they have a thing called a first responder, which is basically just like some... A volunteer firefighter, yeah. old man who shows up, everybody yeah. okay? Dude, I got On a, a tractor. Do you need a band-aid? <laughs> like, there's just, you know. So this lady comes. Um, <laughs> the protocol is offer band-aid. Yeah. <laughs> Step two, call this phone number if further assistance is required. <laughs> I gotta stop snorting. <laughs> <laughs> like that's his training manual. Yeah. Offer Band-Aid. <laughs> the mall security guard of the ambulance scene shows up. 
So she's a lovely lady. And uh, so she, you know, BJ's trying to get a hold of Nancy on the payphone. Uh, she gets to me. She kind of cleans my cut up and stuff. And then um, uh, BJ's doing his thing. And she's like, uh, you know, I'm going to go check on your friend. I said, all right, all right. And she goes over to BJ. Now, he's got the phone receiver in, on the payphone in one hand and she's trying to take his pulse on the uh, the side that he's injured yeah and she can't find a pulse so that means that his shoulder's dislocated because and it's pinching the the uh the vein or whatever oh, it wow. is right so his shoulder's dislocated i just thought maybe she wasn't qualified yeah she's like holding his thumb <laughs> trying to find a pulse do you know do you know where <laughs> the, the the thumper is um I, I, dude, I held back so hard when you're like, she, I'm like, oh, it was a woman. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The volunteer firefighter first well, responder yeah. was a. Just a lovely. And she's. It's tiny. not because I have anything against women. It's just, it's, we're talking Alberta, right? Or no, BC Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alberta's. <laughs> They're progressive fucking views on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very important job, Susan. Are uh, you ready to take it on? So, Susan's uh, can't find a pulse. <laughs> Susan says, Mr. Woodbury, uh, your, um, your shoulder's dislocated. And then she turned to me and she said, unfortunately, because of the size of your friend, um, I don't have the strength to pull, um, his, his arm back in place. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask your assistance if, cause you're, you have the strength enough to do this. And, um, to Susan, I was like, well, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not, I, I don't know how to do this. And, and, uh, and, uh, BJ, uh, with the phone in his hand turns to me <laughs> and he says, open her. <laughs> open her. We've been, been in the car for six hours together. He doesn't know my name. He says, open her. Stop being a fucking pansy and do what the lady says. You're going to put my arm back into place. Open her. And I was like, okay. So the lady told me. <laughs> you won a contest for this privilege. <laughs> this is my dream. This is my dream come true right now. Opener. 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 So, oh, uh, yeah, the lady told me where to grab, you know, his fingers, uh, like two fingers over here, two fingers over here, plus the thumb. And she's like, pull directly down. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, open her. Just fucking pull the cord. Open her. <laughs> so press down on his arm and fucking haul. Yeah, boom. Yeah. And so I did it. She's like, give it a sharp tug. And I fucking did it. And he's got the phone in his hand and I popped his shoulder back into place. And he immediately started screaming the word cunt and hitting the phone receiver through the drywall of the he was just like God you, you motherfucking God I'm a fucking cocksucker and I put his uh, shoulder back into place and uh, and there you go and uh, we ended up going to a hospital in Prince Albert and being late for the show but he still did the show he didn't let me drive we got a new uh, and he still wouldn't let me drive his arm was in a fucking sling for the rest of the tour no opener touches the fucking wheel belt <laughs> is that what he said yeah one of those rite of passages ones where it's like nope yeah, yeah you didn't yeah. pay enough dues to drive <laughs> yeah bitch <laughs> okay and now, when we got to the uh, the parking lot of the uh, it was called Diggards in Prince Albert and uh, and we were late for the show and I was like could you pop the trunk I got I blood on my shirt and i was like i'm gonna put on a new shirt and then he was like uh you know what it'd probably be better if you just left the blood on for this gig 
And I was like, excuse me? He's like, just trust me. Leave the blood on the shirt. And I walked up there and I had blood on my shirt. And it was a notoriously brutal gig. And immediately everybody quieted down because I was covered in blood. And I told the story and he was 100% correct. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It made the evening so much fun. And he crushed and, <laughs> and we ended up, uh, it was like a scary situation. We ended up really good friends uh, afterwards. It was a, it was a fantastic Yeah, tour. that's a story you've always got together. You were, yeah. you were the guy who was there. And there we go, gang. First one in the books with my buddy Paul Meyerhog. Uh, you can listen to Paul on the Microdose podcast. Him and his co-host, Damon Schritter, record one of those, I believe, weekly. Also, you can follow Paul on Instagram at Paul Meyerhog, M-Y-R-E-H-A-U-G. Next up, we got my buddy, Andy Hendrickson. Uh, Andy took the time to chat with me, tell me a few road stories himself. So take it away, Andy. I remember when I was up, when I go to Canada, I had some joke about one of the things is I was talk about the cable company and I always say time Warner cable. I'd always say it on the first show of the week. And then I'd be like, Oh yeah, we're in Canada. I got to switch to Rogers. <laughs> well, we know what it is. We just don't have it here. It's like when people say Verizon, like we still get the joke. It's just that like, Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't yeah, I know, but it's it. a little more helpful if, uh, if you make it specific to Canada. Oh, absolutely. I do like Canada. I mean, Canada to me is I've always had great shows up there, not just absolute, but, there's something about the Canadian people. I, I guess it's because I always think it's a cold weather town kind of thing. Cold oh, really? weather people have a better sense of humor, period. I remember uh, one time, well, here's a good, kind of a good road story. When I first got started in comedy, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. Back, this is how long ago it was. I was sending out VHS tapes to comedy club bookers. I had this tape from the DC Improv. Back then, there weren't improvs all over the country. DC Improv was like, if you if you had a tape from the DC Improv, people were like, "Whoa, you worked the DC Improv? Oh, okay, this guy must be good, right?" And the crowds were sick, and uh, I got a tape from there, and I sent it out to this booker in like Kansas or something, and he books a bunch of like one-nighters, and he watched my tape, and he gave me a month's worth of work when I was, I really wasn't a professional comedian at the time. I was just like doing it as a hobby. I wanted to be. And so uh, he told me, uh, you know, come out here. You start off in Bismarck, North Dakota in the middle of January. It's like sub-zero out there. I know that's not a big deal to you. That's a huge, that was a huge deal to me. I was like, oh, my God. My, my mom loaned me her car, and she got a thing installed to keep the engine block from freezing because you have to plug the car in overnight. It gets so cold. I guess you don't have that in Ottawa, right? We do, yeah. Anyway, I told myself, I was like, if, if this gig works out, this month of comedy goes well, I'm going to really give it a shot. I'm going to go for it. But I drove from uh, my mom's in Virginia. I was living in Atlanta, but I did a gig up that way. And then I drove from my mom's in Virginia, North Dakota, 24 hour drive for feature pay in the middle of January, North Dakota. It was like, I don't know, 10 below or 20 below or whatever. And I remember pulling over at this, at a rest stop. It was freezing and some junky fat, North Dakota trucker guy got out. He had t-shirt on and jeans and walking into the restaurant. I was like, Oh my God, how's he doing that? But, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I, that's not really a great road story, but I guess the good part of the road story is, is that I did gigs in all these little shitty towns, North Dakota. Anytime there was a storm, it would either hit before I got there or after I left. Oh, nice. And I took it and I took it as a sign and for a month I was on the road and I took it as a sign that it was like, Okay, you're meant to do this, and that's when I started doing comedy full time, or trying to do it full time. 
do you find, cause I've heard this before is, uh, they say that DC is kind of like the Ottawa of the States in terms of like, it's like government town, the, the more highbrow jokes will, will work there. I don't know. I, I yeah. not to insult any other areas, but they just say that generally speaking, like the crowd is more informed and knowledgeable as a populace yeah. because they're, they're both government towns. Effectively. Ottawa's all government. It's our capital and DC's got yeah. a ton of government there. So do you find that like the, the more, the yeah. more intellectual I, stuff well, I mean, I grew up near DC, so, uh, maybe that, that has something to do with it, but, um, yeah, I think they have kind of a, smart intelligent dry sense of humor up there sarcastic sense of humor yeah. there i find uh yeah ottawa's i mean there's something magic about that town with comedy and i know that you know everyone always says the absolutes built on an indian barrier ground or something because <laughs> it's just like how the hell does those crowds laugh so hard i can remember i did uh i did uh ottawa for christmas week which is like you know, as a lot of the comics that work, you know, that's a good week. It's a good paying week because Jason will send you off to do corporate gigs during the day. And then you'll do shows downstairs and upstairs. You're just doing comedy nonstop. I think I did something like 19 shows in, <laughs> in a week. Nice. And, and they're not just, they're you know, they're at least 30, 35-minute shows. I think we did some shorter shows because of the time restrictions. But um. 19 of those and the crowds are so good. And you just, I remember feeling like I am the best comedian in the world <laughs> by the end of it. Cause I was so in the zone. Right. And, and the crowds are so good that they give you that freedom to kind of like be creative and interact with the crowd. And you just feel so good about yourself. And then and it was Christmas. And then, so I think I went home for like a day or two, I went home for Christmas and then I did New Year's in Toledo, Ohio. And I'm like still off this buzz from just killing for 19 shows in Ottawa. And I just bombed my dick off. Like I couldn't, I, these people are just kind of like rednecky, just staring at me. Like, you know, it just nothing clicked. And I was like, ah, yeah, that's comedy. They always say like the bomb, the bomb is around the corner. You know, there's always a, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Did you get to do any uh, road stuff during uh, during all this lockdown stuff? Because I know some states are open and some are not. Yeah. So actually, I did do uh, – I back when the pandemic hit, everything started dropping off, getting canceled. And then I had a club in Arizona called Stir Crazy Comedy Club. It's actually a really fun little club. And the owner is a former comedian, good guy. And um, he had said, hey, you know, we're still open people weren't taking coronavirus seriously in Arizona at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, we're still open. We might have to limit capacity. Or I can't remember. It was like a month out. And he's like, you want to do it? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep my obligation and I can wear a mask or whatever. So that was like, this was like, in, it was at the end of May last year. And then about two weeks before I was supposed to go out there, Arizona was all over the news, peaking coronavirus, dark red on the map. Like right where I was going, Maricopa County, dark, dark, blood, death, red. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, we, people didn't know much about it back then, right? It was only a couple months into the pandemic or two or three months into the pandemic. And so, but I kept my obligation. I got on the plane. They we, they dropped the late shows. And literally after I left that week, they um, 
they closed, they shut down because it was peaking. But the guy told me that they were not even like he goes, because after Memorial Day, things were just like there was no virus here. Everyone was just walking around, no mask. They just put the mask mandate in a week before I got there. Anyway, um, so I knew it was like the one time that uh, I was going to perform. And I was like, I want to enjoy this. And then it was like the Friday show. There was some drunk guy in the crowd who was mouthing off at all the comedians. I don't know about you, but like when I'm on a show and the headliner, where I'm headlining and and like the MC will come back and be like, hey, man, there's a guy, blah, 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 blah. And I'll go and I'll watch and the guy's giving shit to the MC. And then he's giving shit to the uh, feature act. And the club might be like, listen, you know, just keep an eye out for this guy. If he causes trouble, we'll throw him out. But if you can handle that kind of thing, Mm. right? But for me, my blood starts to boil. I get annoyed that they're doing this to the show in general and doing it to the other comedians that may or may be less experienced and they're like having a tough time with it. They're just ruining it for everyone. So I just start to get madder and madder on the inside. And then when I get on stage, the first time that person says anything, even though they haven't done anything to me yet, on occasion, I will lash out because it's built up. It's not because he just said one thing to me. It's because he's been ruining it for everybody else. And so, Like a domestic dispute. It's not the one sock on the floor. It's the 4,000 socks that have preceded it over yeah. the course of a year. Like, so, I, I mean, I wish I could remember exactly what happened, but I, I was saying something, and uh, I said, dude, you've been talking during the whole show. Would you shut up, man? Just be quiet. And he's like, eh. Yeah, whatever, Hollywood. Uh, uh, call me a faggot. He's like, you Hollywood faggot. And I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. And it just got so awkward. And I go, dude, I'll stand here. I live for this awkwardness. I will stand here in the silence until you leave. And the whole crowd started going, get out. Everyone, get out. You know? And finally, he eventually left. And But I remember... I, and I'm, you know me, I'm a pretty calm dude, but I was ready to fight that guy. I was so mad. The fact that I hadn't done, like that the pandemic had shut down comedy and this was my one opportunity to perform. And they're like, there's this asshole. And then like, that's like, a, that was my little refresher. I'm like, oh yeah, comedy's not always a beautiful thing. There's yeah. sometimes there's assholes that's humans are assholes sometimes. But um, I guess I can share that one story. I don't remember if I shared that story with you. I've had a bunch of crazy stuff. One time I was in uh, this club. It was like called level three. It was in Pennsylvania. Apparently there were no cabs in this town. So there was a bar in this club and my buddy and I went down to the bar. He was driving and I was like sticking around to have drinks. I was hanging out with one of the, like the local comic. And he's like, Hey man, I'm going home. And then the other, the local comic left. And I was just like standing there kind of looking around, like kind of drunk. And I'm like, how, I got to get a cab. And then like, they're like, there's no cabs in this town this time of night. I'm like, Oh man, what am I going to do? So I started walking around and there was a girl that was at the show and she was like, we saw your show. We can give you a ride home, my boyfriend or whatever. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm waiting around and they were kind of strange, but I was kind of drunk. And I was like, I just, I was two miles or something like that. It was cold. And I get in the car with them and they pull up to the hotel and they're like, we need gas money. It was like a two mile. And I was like, what? He's like, we need some gas money. We just gave you a ride. And I was like, the way I looked at them changed. I'm like, these aren't normal people here. I'm in the car with some bad people. These look like druggy meth heads or something. Right. And uh, I was like, hey, man, you know, I'm not giving you gas money because uh, 
I started opening the door up. And as I was getting out of the car, he peeled off and I fell out the door. And I luckily my CD bag was still attached to my arm. And, I, oh, and, and like he, as he drove off, like the door was like swinging, like, like a movie. And I was like, okay, I learned my lesson there about the road. Don't get in the car. Oh yeah. With strangers. I could have been murdered that night, but, um, the, I thought the, the story was going like, they're like, we're coming up with you. You want to, you want, can we come in have it? I was like, I was like, where is this? Uh, fucking no, going? No, no. Yeah. You got to be careful on the road. So here's the, here's the one crazy, my crazy bomb story. Okay. There's this comedy uh, booker out of North Carolina. When I lived down South, that used to do one nighters. They're called the comedy zone. They had one in Paducah, Kentucky. It's like a Thursday night. Right. And it's a small little Paducah podunk town. The, the place you perform at is called Froggy's. And it was a steel warehouse converted into a bar. Okay. Huge space. The guy who owns it also owns the little disgusting strip club next door. And it's like the movie Roadhouse. He was like big fish in this little shit pond. Anyway, uh, I went in there. My comedy is not, that's not my crowd. Like, super southern rednecky but i've done a lot of rooms like that because i lived down that way and right anyway this was my first time headlining and i remember i just come from the beach so i had a tan and i i remember i dressed nice because i'm like i'm headlining and that was wrong that was the wrong look for this room right i just i stuck out like a sore thumb when i walked into this yeah. bar so I'm talking to the owner of the club beforehand, and he's telling me about how he was in a special Marine kill force, this and that. And my family are Navy SEALs, and I was just asking questions like, I've never heard of that. What is that? And he's trying to explain it to me. I'm like, yeah, but I just was curious. Yeah. I had questions, but he took it as that I was doubting him, and I was doubting him secretly yes. because I could yes. tell he was full of shit. And he's like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm also opening up another bar. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. Da -da -da. He goes, he went and pulled out. He got me the blueprints. He pulled out the blueprints. Like, check this out. We're just like hanging out in this bar. He's like, I'll be right back. Anyway, the guy didn't like me. I couldn't. I wasn't totally sure, but he just had this thing. City, like you're a city slicker coming to my club, questioning me kind of vibe. And so the act that came before me was a female act. And he was hitting on her so hard. And she went up and did her half hour. Mind you, this is one of my first times headlining, and uh, she barely survived. There was uh, they had set us up in the middle of a dance floor. We weren't on a stage; we we're just in the middle of the dance floor with folding chairs on the same level as everybody else. She went up and barely survived, and I went up and I tried to do my jokes. I was supposed to do forty-five minutes, and I, I failed at like thirty-eight minutes because it was going so bad. Literally during my show, people were just getting up and walking away, and you could yeah. see them walk. It was such a, like a big open warehouse space. You could just see them go, just total silence because I was bumming so bad, walking all the way down the bar. And then I watched these guys in biker, These they were called the Sons of Sam, came in in their biker uniforms, and they're at the bar, and they're kind of watching me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. So I, I bombed for 38 minutes, and I get off the stage, and I'm like, oh, God, thank God that's over. I'm standing over by the bar, waiting to get paid. I got a beer immediately and chugged it because I was like, uh, The MC was up there, and he goes, hey, everybody, thanks so much for coming up. And I see the owner of the club walk up onto the stage, a.k.a. dance floor. He pulls the mic, yanks it out of the guy's hand. He goes, hey, everybody, listen, uh, I, know, I know tonight's show wasn't the best, um, 
But, you know, give it up for your first act. She was great, the girl he was hitting on. Naturally. She was great, wasn't she? You know, and, you know, I thought she was great. She goes, and now that second act, I think he sucked. And I'm still in the room. This is the owner of the club. I think he sucks so bad. You know, I want to give you all tickets to come back for another show. So what I'd like you to do, I got a bucket up here in a like a, a pail where you put like beers in. And it's got tickets. I want you to come up here on stage and grab a ticket out to come back and see see another good comedian next year because that guy sucked. He must have said suck like 10 times. And I'm in the room and I'm like, and I remember the act, the uh, the, the female comic that was in there, she looked at me and, and she's like, oh, like she had a, her mouth open. She, go, she mouths to me, I'm so sorry like this that this is happening to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awful. And so people literally had to, he like made a, he made a thing out of it. People had to get up out of their seats, walk to the stage and grab a ticket. It's almost like each person was like, told you he sucked. And I wanted so bad. I had this fantasy in my head of just like burning the place down or cutting tires. And I never even, I never think that way. I'm not a type of person that right. thinks that way, but I, like all of a sudden these thoughts in my head, Actually, as a matter of fact, I said, clap. He goes, clap if you think he sucks. Oh, my and some God. people were like, ah, oh, they're kind of looking around. Like, we didn't like him, but I don't know. And a couple yeah, people he's right there. Like, he's right yeah. there. Like, I'm looking at him. He's he's looking at me. I'm not I'm not clapping. <laughs> Dude, it was like the, the most, like, <laughs> primitive, like, Neanderthal, like, fuck you, kind of like – yeah, it's, I'm the man here, but that's that's by far my worst uh, my worst bomb story on the road for sure. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I have a, one more funny story before yeah, we go. Uh, uh, so I, you know, I've been doing some Zoom shows since this is a more modern story. It's a 2020 story. Nice Zoom shows during the pandemic for some companies. Uh, you know, corporate Zoom shows. Uh, you know, it's it's actually I did a quite a bit in December. And so I did one where the company was like, Hey, security, whatever. Um, is there any chance we could do it on your zoom? And I'm like, sure, we can do it on our zoom. Cause their company didn't have, let them host on zoom or something weird like that, whatever. It was. So I'm like, and then they said, if you don't mind after the show, if, if we could keep it open so we could all catch up. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have anything else going on that day. No problem. So I hosted it on my zoom. It was a big company party so for some financial group. And, you know, they were all drinking. It was their holiday party. The show went fine. It was good. It was really good. And I said, thanks. And I said, okay, I'm going to hang out and let you guys chat a little bit. I'll leave the Zoom open. And, you know, I'll come back and turn this off in an hour or whatever. And so I come back. I put my camera off. I put my shit on mute. I mute my my uh, computer so I don't hear anything I go off and I'm doing stuff around the house I come back like an hour later everyone's gone except for three of these women that were all I guess friends at through work and they're all drinking wine and I look on the screen and they're like grabbing their necks and their in their chest like talking about plastic surgery or something I can't I, I didn't have the audio on you didn't turn it on during that I no, because I was like you know what this is their private conversation. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like intrude on their, you know, and then, but I came back like a half hour later and they were still on. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now I got to listen. <laughs> okay. good. So I was going to say, cause there's a certain part where you're like, well, they are not, you know, they are publicly chatting in a large group. So they got to expect somebody's, 
you know, could be right. listening. So there's four windows. It's these three women in my window, which is blacked out because I left the room an hour ago or whatever. So I come back like a half hour later or whatever it was. And they're still on there. Now they're <laughs> plastered. I mean, they're already plastered. I could tell they had a buzz on just, you know, the, the physical cues you could tell. I yeah. wasn't listening. So I, I turned it on. I'm like, all right, I got to hear. I got to hear what's going on here. And I turn on, you know, and you're like, you know, he's not a, I don't know why Steve wants me to do that. That's his job. It's, he's the FDC officer or whatever. He's kind of an asshole. And she's like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole. And then I turn it off again. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I come, my wife comes home and I, I go, check this out. And then <laughs> she's like, they're like, you know, I talked to Scott. Now they're talking about their relationships. I talked to Scott and we had a huge argument. I just don't know if it's going to work out. And I, I finally came back one more time. I'm like, I'm going to turn this off. And I turned on, it was the, and the lady, there was just two left now. And uh, she's like, you know, I love you, girl. I can't wait to see you again. <laughs> and it was just so funny to me to see the progression of their drunkenness all on a Zoom thing. That's like they say, don't get drunk at the office work party. Yeah. But, but they did, they got drunk at the office work party on Zoom. You know, I could have recorded that and ruined their lives. How did it play out? Like, did you, did you say, Hey ladies, sorry to interrupt. I got to, or did you no, just wait you till know, they I, were gone? I, I just waited. I came back eventually and the screen was, they were off. It would have been so funny. Like, I mean, obviously if you're hearing a little bit, you just wait for like the perfect moment. Let them just finish their story. Pop in. Oh, hey ladies, sorry to interrupt. And just to see the shocked faces. Of, yeah. Oh, that's I should have right. done that. Just, but like not in the middle of the sex story. So he's choking me, right? And right as I'm about to pass out. Hey, yeah, ladies, sorry yeah. to interrupt. I just wanted to. Uh... <laughs> Actually, I, I, I'm thinking I might could do a, I, it would be really easy to do a sketch like that, hire some funny comedians to play those characters and, you know, cut between, um, okay, well, an hour later, 30 minutes later. Then, the progression. Like the last scene is just someone, <sighs> or whatever, you know. Yeah. That's a really funny kind of uh, thing. Uh, a modern thing that happened where now that we're in this zoom comedy world, you know, yeah, yeah. hopefully it'll be better soon. Right. And there it is. Some stories with my buddy, Andy Hendrickson, uh, guys, you can check out Andy Hendrickson's album called midlife of the party. He's also on Instagram at Andy Hendrickson and, uh, his website, Andy Hendrickson.com Hendrickson spelled H E N D R I C K S O N. Thanks for the stories, Andy. And coming up next, we got my buddy, Matt Watson. Matt and I go way back. Uh, we started around the same time. Uh, Matt's got some great stories. What an adventure he's he's been on. Uh, and uh, Matt is one of these uh, van lifers. And I, I would say started it before it became a trendy thing. So, uh, you know, check out some stories of, uh, of van life with my buddy, Matt Watson. Things are good overall. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in a good place. I'm a little disappointed. I should have had a van today, but I brought it to my mechanic, and they said, uh, like, they threatened me. They're like, don't buy that. Like, this, this thing is a mess. Oh, you still haven't so, even picked it up yet. No, no. Uh, today was the test drive, um, so I'm going to have to keep looking for them. It's just like, dude, I've been looking hard for a month, and uh, uh, I'm sick of looking. I'm excited to, 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 to get to work, you know, to right. take the next step, but uh, not the right one, so i got to keep got to keep looking don't get me wrong man i was more than happy to work with this one but uh yeah uh, because this is my first like elaborate renovation mm -hmm. um 
I, <laughs> I'd like to. I'm not trying to spend. These things aren't cheap. Like, no, of the course. The man not. I was looking at today was still like still like 15 grand. That's like that's moderately moderately priced. Um, and so I could screw this thing up, you know. So I want to start there, do the best job I can before moving on to something else. So that means like renovating it this year, touring it this summer, then try to try to sell it, see if see if I did a good enough job renovating it, and then. Maybe invest in myself a little bit more next year and try to do something a little bit more, a uh, little bit more elaborate. The weirdest thing, man, is uh, like over the past month, I've had uh, ABC uh, in uh, Australia message me for an interview, and then I just did an interview yesterday with a guy in the Business Insider, like in New York, because of the van, like because of the videos I'm posting about van life. And the thing that's so irritating is like I've been doing comedy for 13 years. Nobody, nobody cares. But the second I'm living in a van, they're like, "Well, how do you pee? How's this working? Like, you're, you're a crazy guy. Let's see, let's see what you've well, been up to." Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot less, you know, of us doing that than comedy Com- comedians. Dime a dozen. I mean, yeah, you've, you're. This will be your what third van that you've renovated. The, the one in the UK, I legitimately, legitimately renovated that uh, in a parking lot mm-hmm. with tools that i that i bought and then returned afterwards it was also a big like the uk's version of a big box store like it wasn't uh you know mom mom and pop shop anyway uh and then so i learned while doing that uh when i was in the uk that or sorry when i went to australia next uh i well first of all i was in the uk for two years in australia for a year um, so I didn't want to spend time having to renovate something, and I realized from doing it in the UK how hard that is if you don't have any tools or place to do the renovation. Right. So in Australia, I actually bought it um, pre-renovated, but I did add um, a cute little kitchen in the back um, and did some repairs on it too before I ended up um, selling that one. But that vehicle that I bought um, is kind of what I want to base this next renovation off of. Nothing elaborate, like the old sh- shower or toilet, but um, you know, working lights, a fridge, um, and a place to like charge your laptop and your phone. Because like that's 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 all you really that's all you really need. Well, and the fridge and stuff like that. I mean, that's running all of the time, right? So, what do you got? Like a generator built into it or something? That's so what? Again, storage? this is stuff I'm stuff I'm going to need to look into. But the way the van in Australia worked, uh, which I loved, so second battery with an inverter, so you can then that runs your outlet and your fridge. And the best part is, and your lights. The best part was um, that battery got charged by the battery from the van when you're driving. Right. It charged off of that. So no matter if your fridge kills the other battery, your van will always start. Right. That's what I loved about it. There was no, um, there's no compromising your 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 ability to move at any point. Like you're not going to end up being stuck. Um, and that's exactly what I want to bring to this uh, um, this next this next van. I've actually got a cool. Um, it's like a military pump that you just step on. Um, when you step on it, it takes uh, a water from one canister up and through your tap. Um, so there's no like, there's no, it doesn't need a battery for that. It's a simple push of the foot. So you're not wasting any water either. The second you stop pushing on the pump, then the water stops. Um, so that's a great way to not be using any sort of, um, um, battery power to, uh, to get, uh, um, you know, a little bit of creature comfort into right. this vehicle. Do you still have to shower at like YMCA's and stuff or? Yeah, man, right now it is a, um, if you don't have that in your vehicle, 
Um, like I said, I spoke to that guy in New York. Like things are pretty dark there too, as far as what's you know opened and people can actually use. So the idea of using the public shower or the public bathroom is um, they're far and few between right now. Yeah, gross. You got all serious on me. What's going well, on? I'm just thinking like <laughs> just I'm public showers in general. Oh, I don't know. Just. You'll public like, bathrooms are so fucking shower? gross. So the idea of going into it something naked, be like, I'm gonna get clean in this filter. <laughs> you don't go in naked. How do you? Well, no, but bathroom? I'm saying you gotta get naked into them. So you're going. You're once you're in you there. Just go you, into the SO. No, I'll but you're for pump free in here. But, but hold my pants. But I'm just saying <laughs> I'm that going like to the bathroom. once you're in there and you're like, all right, clothes off, <laughs> and you're just standing in this place that like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Do you like using public you're bathrooms? Not- no, nobody likes using public bathrooms. But here's the thing, Josh. Yeah, I don't like public showers, and I'd rather use your. You always want to sleep in your own bed. You always want to use your own toilet. And you want to use your own shower. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, if you really need a place to shower, all of a sudden, you know, you start compromising a little bit. And if this place looks clean enough or clean to your standards, um, then yeah, you uh, you you know you follow through because <laughs> you got it. You know, you got to go. Good for you, man. And yeah, it's it's really not a big deal. At the end of the day, you're showering, you're washing. You, but dude, you also get like uh, you get a vibe when you step into a space. Like I'm I'm thinking of one particular hostel uh, that I was at uh, last year March in uh, Adelaide when I was doing the fringe there. So just I was looking for a van at this point, um, and I was at a hostel, and it was uh, it was quite cheap. And yeah, like going into that shower area. Like, there were six showers, and <laughs> there were, like, six – so six stalls, three of them facing each other, and then on the uh, – and then bookended by a pair of sinks. And if any other person was running a tap in that shower, uh, in that bathroom, your temperature was changing. Like, the, the height of the curtain was, like, only at my forehead. Like, I'm not a tall – I'm not a tall person. The carpet in my, like uh, – yeah, there was no I'm carpet. I'm like, the carpet in the shower? Yeah, I can see it's carpeted floor. <laughs> that's I'm like, yeah, that's not going to absorb everyone's oils and juices and fluids. <laughs> there was the, just the carpet in my actual, uh, like, bedroom was uh, – like, you could tell. You're just like, oh, no, this place, if I shower here, I'm getting dirtier than when I was when I went in. Um, but then uh, – so I found a place down the road that um, – was given free yoga to um, the artist, and so I started going there every day. It felt like uh, a friggin' yoga studio, you know? Yeah, like, of course. The shower had like these little like rocks on the ground. It was like little waterfalls and like Zen gardens, and it was beautiful. Yeah, it's nicer, nicer than the day, showers at all. Exactly, exactly. So, dude, like, you, like I'm, I'm a human being. Like, if, if if it doesn't look if it doesn't look good, I'm aware. I'll try to solve the problem. Go to find, try to go somewhere else. But dude, I've done yeah, I've done some greasy things like in a pinch, whether it's uh, you, like a like a handicap stall in a Starbucks, um, and I say handicap stall just because it's like a onesie, so it's just you, so you okay. can lock the door, and yeah, they like just using the sink, and then trying and then just drying up the floor at the end, like doing the best you can. Or I've snuck into like I've snuck into campgrounds to shower, like I've done a lot of. <laughs> I've done a lot. Well, of, you're doing uh, what you got to do. Things. You're doing what you got to do. I, I don't. By, I, yeah. I don't turn my nose up at that or, or judge. That's fucking, yeah, but you, dude, you do what you got to do. The alternative is equally grody to just sit around being greasy and stinky and being like, being know. gross. Um, I have seen, I haven't done it myself, but um, I've, I've seen a lot of van lifers will do uh, like a pack of baby wipes. 
Um, so they'll 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 clean like if you just do uh, you know the areas that really need it on a given on a given day, or if maybe if you got to do a full pat down. Speaking of all these like bathrooms and campgrounds and gyms, you know any any uh, interesting encounters or uh, any stories that stick out. <laughs> the the van that I bought and lived in in the UK. Um, something else I learned about if you're getting into van life, spend a little bit more money up front, um, and it'll save you a headache in the long run. Because uh, the vehicle I bought there, um, it only worked for six months out of the two years that I was living in the UK, um, which ended up being a blessing in disguise because I continued living out of it, uh, broken down in a parking lot in Edinburgh. Uh, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, uh, I actually went to bed every night just giddy, just high on the fact that I was actually doing what I love and like following uh, my chasing my passion in a foreign country and living in a broken down like just the, the reality. My reality just made me laugh at night. Uh, and so um, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything uh, uh, too bad about that. But if people want to learn from my mistakes, spend a little bit more money on your van up front um, because it, it broke down on me a couple times too, even within the six months it was running. One of those times was in uh, uh, Scotland's biggest city in Glasgow. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to try to tell this, but not like in the bit form. You know when like you tell a bit yeah, seven yeah. times? That like that's like now like the truth behind it. So like I don't even know. It's gonna be hard for me to try to remember exactly what happened. But as far as I can recall, I was doing a gig. Went back to the van. Went to start the van. It wouldn't start. So I decided I would camp out um, in in this day in, in in Scotland's biggest city, uh, downtown in the core for the night. And I'd call a mechanic and deal with the problems then. And then a uh, uh, in the middle of the night, I got woken up because a couple. I heard them just like in the distance at first. Yeah. Um, but but then they started having sex, as far as I know, um, against the van because the van was like <laughs> rocking back, like the van, <laughs> the van was rocking back and forth. Um, but you know me, like I'm typically not like I'm not the most uh, aggressive person. Um, I'm a little more passive and like not trying to like step on anybody's toes. Yeah. Which in in this in in this. <laughs> In this case, uh, you're trying not that, to cock block uh, this mix. dude, basically. Is what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Like... Yeah, I'm looking. At, I'm, well, I'm looking. I'm looking out for him, but at the same time, I'm also yeah. Like I don't want to get in the way. Like they're having fun, but at the same time, you know, it's it's keeping me up <laughs> awake. You mean right? Um, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's not keeping you erect. It's keeping you uh, awake. Yeah, exactly that. Um, in that vehicle setup, there wasn't. Uh, I didn't have windows at the back. There was only windows up front. So you front. couldn't, so like, like peep couldn't... show. <laughs> You're always taking it the other way. I'm trying this to think. I'm doing what I would do. I'm I'm transposing myself in the situation. If people are fucking, if I'm going to let you finish, I'm going to see. I'm going to try to take a peek and see what's going on. I'm an honest human being, Matt. I don't lie to my listeners. If two people are fucking within five feet of me, that's not social distancing. All right? And if you're going to fuck in my bubble, I'm going to watch. Or at least, or at least attempt to. At least attempt. I mean, clearly um, the they're not being private about it, right? <laughs> so, like, well, yeah. They, can you yeah, imagine? You not. stick your head out of the van. They're like, "Do you mind, sir? Ew, you pervert." Yeah, I'm the pervert, right? Well, that, but see, well, but that's what it came down to. Is um, time had gone by because I, I figured, like, how long could they possibly spend doing this? It is an alleyway. You think they want to be brief? Um, but I. 
it was taking longer than I'd thought. And the longer it went on, the more I was like, okay, well, I can't say something now. You know, like I've missed my window to, <laughs> to, to address this situation. It would be rude at this point. It would be weird. Yeah, That's at this point, so it's funny. really weird if I, if I pop out. Then, so then what happened? So the bit's got a more glamorous and punchy ending. Um, but the real story is I didn't do anything. <laughs> it's no, there's no, there's no, no climax on this side of the story. Um, they finished. This is true. I heard through the van door afterwards, the guy asked the girl for her phone number. And I was like, wow, that is the most backward ass <laughs> shit I've ever, I've ever heard in my I life. I want to make an honest woman out of you. I do plan on talking to you again <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> here's here's one other funny thing when i was so when i was in edinburgh i was working at a uh, at a hotel um during the day doing comedy at night and then still living in the vehicle so without rent like but the best part was uh one day at work um it had been a little while i hadn't got my gym pass yet and so one of the uh people at the front desk they gave me a key to somebody's room who had checked out, uh, but they hadn't cleaned it yet to go and use that shower. The staff didn't have so a shower, did, like a locker room? Dude, they were supposed, they didn't have one. Uh, they did by the end of my tenure there. Okay. Um, uh, so they did end up having a staff watch, which was amazing. So I I could get, I got rid of my gym pass because they had like a gym there as well. Um, and then I was living uh, with even less expenses. Uh, but in the, this moment in time, the shower wasn't built yet. So I used a guest washroom shower um, and then I went to work the next day, uh, and they called a staff meeting in the, in the kitchen. The items on the docket were number one's like, all right, we gotta be, you know, let's be more polite to all the people coming to eat off the buffet. Uh, number two, like, let's, let's, let's make sure the scrambled eggs keep topped up all day. People seem to be eating a lot of those. And number three, can we <laughs> refrain from showering in guest rooms? And then everyone's just like looking because I hadn't I hadn't told anyone I lived in a van at that point. Like everyone's looking at each other like what what was that third thing? Like who's who's showering <laughs> in guest rooms? Like that doesn't even make any sense. Why is anybody doing did that? Did you how how <laughs> I would have been so like how the fuck did they find out about that? Yeah, um I knew uh the so when my manager left that afternoon, um she was at, she was wonderful actually. Uh, she loved me. Clearly, she didn't fire me for this. She had like left, and the moment she left, that's when I I I I don't think she had a problem with what I did, but it was more I did it on the clock. Like the Hilton shouldn't be paying for me to for me to bathe on the clock. Right. Um. So uh, after I showered, I came out uh, feeling just fresh and tickled tickled pink, and uh, she. Uh, had come back to the hotel and like and like uh, uh, like just like stared me down. Like she knew. I think she asked the front desk where I was, and then they said, "Oh, he went and took a shower." Oh fuck! <laughs> Jesus Christ! You ever have any scary moments in the van? Like, have you ever been, you know, at nighttime and something was happening? And you're like, "Oh shit!" The scariest thing that's happened while living in. Oh, I woke up one morning in Australia. Um, it was like. Just, uh, uh, what time? yeah, it was early morning. Like the sun hadn't come up yet. And, um, I was, I, it was dark when I had parked. So I didn't, I didn't like get a good gauge of my area. Right. Um, when I, when I found this place to park and there was just like this unnerving, like woman's voice, 
Like I couldn't, t- like it was it, it, like, like what you would hear, like in a haunted house, like more haunted house than, uh, than screaming, like more like, like, I didn't know if it was singing or screaming, but it was terrifying. It was a shriek. That just, that and... description alone is horrifying to me to be able to not tell Thank the difference you. between, Thank s- you. between screaming and singing. I'm like, that's exactly. Fucked. So you can't tell if they're enjoying it or if they're, if it's something you're doing recreationally or is this person, yeah. uh, in pain or like it's, uh, so like I, I sat up in bed immediately, and then the scariest part was, because the so when you're when you're if you're sleeping in a tent, it's the same thing. There's like like dew will will gather on the windows, okay, just like it does on the tent. So I couldn't quite make out. Again, it's like uh, the sun hasn't quite come up yet. I can see like the silhouette of a woman. Oh God! And the, so I know, dude, it was like a horror movie. Like she wasn't. So how far is this? Coming. How far is this silhouette? This is, so the silhouette's like, uh, let's say 20, 25 feet away, 25 feet away. Wow. I'm the only, it's a residential area. So, you know, I'm not, it's not like a big city. So, okay. I, you're not like I at a campground or in the woods or something like that. And all of a sudden no, shrinking no. ghost, witch is coming towards your van. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at the silhouette and it, it goes on, dude. It goes on for like uh 30 or 40 seconds. I'm like, I can feel myself breathing. Standing there the screaming, sh- singing. Yeah. Dude, for yes, like a dude. Wow. And just standing there, not moving. Yes, just standing there, Josh. Oh my just God. standing there. I my girlfriend would, would explain this to me later. Um I what whatever day this was, it was uh it's it's Aussie Remembrance Day. And because they weren't gathering together and it and not and not doing it like us and like whatever we do at like eleven AM, you actually do it in the early morning because of COVID. They didn't meet in a place. They were told to stand outside their front doors and fucking howl and sing. And this woman, just, I guess, was a terrible singer and was the only one on the street that was doing it for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you appreciated because I actually posted. Oh, I would have like, put my head at the window on. and been like, are you a fucking demon? Because I will drive a stake <laughs> through your fucking heart if you don't stop this. I'm horrified right now. I am not the aggressor. You are the aggressor right now. What you're doing is psychologically <laughs> horrifying. Stop, or I will end it, you. Uh, like, but it would have been so, dude. That would have been so disrespectful because it's like their Remembrance Day. Like, yeah. Then like, I go, like, look. Like I'm sure song, I was ignorant. You know? I, that's not okay. I don't give a fuck what your culture is. <laughs> oh yeah, these people in this part of Iowa run down the street with chainsaws. I don't give a fuck what your tradition is. That's fuck, dude. I had a joke in my act with a kid running around in, at night in the dark. Because it's fucking scary. I don't know what the fuck is going on. It's scary. I don't care what your reason is. I'll apologize afterwards, but you better believe I'm going to defend myself against a goddamn ghost witch howl screaming at at God knows what hour. Dude, that's horrifying. Like, all I can picture is the cover of that movie, The Witch, with, like, the body silhouette in the trees, and it's just howl screaming. And then you turn it, oh, it's a Remembrance Day, and you go, how does one action connect to the other oh yeah we we just howl so we scare everybody else <laughs> i'm really happy you actually saw it from my from my side because uh i think i posted that uh in in one of the australian like van life groups um and like like in one of my one of my blogs and like yeah everyone was ripping me apart and i was like oh man like put my put yourself in the situation oh man. i would have like, been was, dude you're like 30 40 no seconds around yeah, I would have yeah, been like, the like, van's I on. I've been flashing the, the lights on it, and horrified that it yeah. would be like this fucking pale, you know, fucking teeth with blood coming out of her mouth creature in the middle of the yeah, night. Yeah, dude. If she, the only thing that if she would have 
started walking towards me. Like, I like I, I think I would have just died in that moment. Like, I don't think, yeah, you know? It was the fact that she wasn't moving was, like, I think it made me freeze, too. Well, we saw how I how I acted when someone was having sex against my van. Like, I guess my Yeah, like, you're like, oh, I missed my opportunity to be afraid. Like... I can't run from this <laughs> demonic chick. She's coming to the van my, now. I missed my... I should have ran in the first 10 seconds. My defense for every situation is to treat it like it's a T-Rex and just hope that it's... It can't it's see you. mechanism is based on movement. And there it is. My buddy, Matt Watson. Guys, you can check out uh, Matt's videos on Matt Watson Comedy on YouTube. He'll actually show you some of the stuff of... Uh, well, you can actually see everything that's on there. You can see the old vans that we're talking about uh, in the UK, some stuff in Australia. You can see him building his new van here in Canada. So uh, check out Matt Watson. Of course, Matt Watson comedy on Instagram as well. Coming up next, we have the lovely Sarah Marchand. Uh, actress who I uh, had the pleasure of meeting through the podcast Genius. She was the lead, and I had an uh, opportunity to you know interview her and the uh, the, the cast and creators of uh, of that podcast. And Sarah's got some stories uh, as an actress of what it's like to audition and some things that happen can happen during auditions. Yeah, so I wanted to share actually two stories of really botched auditions that I did because uh, you know. Sometimes as actors, we don't want to talk about our failures because we kind of want to seem like very successful people who are just happy and we're like super famous working all the time. But anyone who is an artist knows that is totally not the reality. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we actors audition a lot. I don't know if comics do. We showcase. So it's like the amount of driving to go and do eight minutes. Like I've done that before. I drive all the way to Toronto to jump on a show to do a free spot to showcase for a festival or something. And you wait like five months to hear. And it's like, and you don't, you don't get us thanks so much, but the, no notes, no oh. nothing. Just one day that festival posts on their page and you look at the lineup and your name's not on it. And you're like, all right. It's like, like, like a drama class, right? When they post the roles, you're like, ah, oh, fuck me. Okay really scary and like I've auditioned a lot a lot now and it, you know it, I guess you get better at dealing with the nerves over time but they don't go away it's still a very scary disorienting process um so one of my uh, a couple of years ago I was auditioning for this uh program where it was kind of like you would train for a couple months and then you would be part of this company's repertoire and I was obsessed with this company for years. Like as a teenager, I was like, it is my dream to work for this company. So when they were doing the audition call outs, I, you know, worked super hard on my application, uh, you know, put 10 out of 10 effort into it. And I sent it in and they said, hey, we liked your materials. Would you like to come in for a callback? And this was just like, ah! <laughs> dream come true for me. And so I had to prepare uh, a 10 minute audition just showcasing basically my whole my whole range everything i had to offer would this have been like a self tape so the first one was okay uh and for the second one it was going to be in person okay uh okay so i play like a little bit of violin i am not a professional by any means okay um but i thought i really want to show off like all my talents like i'm going to show my violin skills to them so I practiced a song and like, you know what? It was, it was solid. It was okay. It wasn't amazing, but it was fine. And uh, this callback took place in the middle of winter. And I thought, oh, you know what? To try and calm my nerves, I'm going to walk to this theater company for the callback. So it was about an hour long walk and I've got my violin with me. 
And I get there, I'm ready to go, I'm nice and early, trying to get prepped, you know, do my thing. And I go in, and if anyone is a musician, they know you don't bring your instruments like out in the cold for a fucking hour. <laughs> so I did my monologue, did my bits, and then I, when I brought the violin out, it just sounded so awful. It was completely out of key. Uh, the best thing I can compare it to is Fry in that episode with the holophoner. You know, oh, okay. to play the holophoner, <laughs> and everyone's like, "What is happening?" And I just I didn't know what to do, so I just kept playing the song, even though it sounded like garbage. And then I looked up, and the panel looked at me like, "What the fuck? Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm, "That's me." And you didn't have an opportunity to tell them, like, they told me maybe next time you'll uh, make sure your violin's in tune. (laughs) I just like wanted to die. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, well, I guess so. (laughs) So I I didn't get in, but um, that's okay. I've always learned now: a, just don't play violin at an audition. I'm not, I'm not confident enough. But like, don't don't walk outside for an hour. It's just not a good idea. That's um, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And that's, br- and I, I don't, you know, there's normal people with, with who aren't artists, but for us, like how long did that haunt you afterwards? Oh my God. For months. It just like anyone who's done a failed audition knows it just like you play those tapes over and over again. You were like, I am terrible. And maybe I'm not meant to be an artist. And like, I should just give up. But I would say honestly about a year, it took a year to get over that. Cause I was just yeah. so embarrassed with myself. I was really disappointed. You know? Yeah. And it's one of those things where like, why did I just, I thought it would be the, the cherry on top of the violin. And it's like, ah, and, and the, the worst is that you never get, at least not from my experiences, you never get to have the conversation where they're like, we actually wanted you until you played that violin. And then, (laughs) so you never, like, you could never be like, was it that? Was it this? I don't know. Is it me? Yeah. It's also like, it's a humbling experience because like, I think sometimes we try and like do all the things to show like, because we don't think what we have to offer is good enough. Yeah. And I think about it now. I'm like, I should have just really prepped on the song that I sang and the monologue. Cause I felt really good about that. And just adding all these other like weird additions just made for a very confusing audition piece. With your life. And it's funny because like you could tell, I guess I would think just like, Oh, look at the versatility. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you've got yeah. the acting chops, you've got the talent, you know what I mean? Cause I've, yeah. I'm familiar with a lot of people when they do like, I guess the Saturday night live auditions, they have to pick different mm-hmm. sort of things that they want to choose to showcase. All right, of that stuff's right. brutal. I, I haven't done a lot of acting auditions. I've t- I think I've done like three or four, but the only mm-hmm. thing is like, I don't, they don't tell you what they want. I've heard right. like a lot yeah. of different things. So I'm kind of like in stand up. a lot of people are like, you can act. I've seen your stand up. You do characters and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but I knew who I was trying to portray in that moment. And so I don't have issue with it. So yes, I can act, but if I'm trying to please someone else, I don't know what their vision is or whatever. Like, yeah, but that's exactly it. Right. And all you can bring to the table is yourself. And like, I think in the past with auditions, I was trying so hard to do all these things, but I think it's because I was too insecure. and, And I thought like just me, wouldn't be enough when really that's all people want to see. People just want to see someone feeling good and confident and just like prepared <laughs> with, with what they're, they're confident with. So yeah, it was a very humbling experience for sure. <laughs> 
I still think about it. I can't go to sleep at night. Yeah, you're like, it still haunts me. <laughs> like, no, I'll be better. I promise. <laughs> so this other audition happened um, just before COVID. And, uh, oh, boy. Okay, this was a big one. This is probably the biggest audition I've ever done. And uh, I also, I was in the running. I was in the top four for this for this project. So I was pretty excited. And it's an awful mistake when people start to think, like you start to imagine that you've actually booked the role, but like you can't do that to yourself. Like you, nothing is official until you see that on screen, you know, until it's like finished. But I think I just got too excited that I was like, I think I might've booked this. I think, I think my life's about to change. Um, so for the callback, um, they gave me some sides and they said, please make sure to be off book. So I was off book, had my lines memorized. So off book means you don't get to use your, your cheat sheet. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because I know the callback means that you've already done one edition. You right, got a callback. Right. That's pretty straightforward. <laughs> the sides, a lot of people don't know this. When you get your sides, those are the lines that they want you to memorize. Thank you. But then Sorry, the off yes, book, I'm like, that's a fresh one for me. I've never yeah, made it that yeah. far where they're like, Josh, we're giving you specific directive. Like, no. <laughs> Must be off book. <laughs> yeah, off book, fully memorized. So I was fully memorized. Um, I get into the audition room, and sometimes what they will do is they'll have the lines written on a board in the room so you can look back to them while you're doing your audition. And I look, and the lines are very different from what I've memorized. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Um, hopefully they're open to being, like, slightly off like what the script says so the direction was be funny but humble but also feel free to improvise but make sure you stick to the script <laughs> and i'm like cool okay so i do a take and the nerves just got to me so i just kind of like froze up and you know when you're doing something i'm sure you've experienced this when you're like in the middle of a set and you can just tell you're like I'm bombing this like this is going really awful <laughs> like this is really bad so I can kind of feel the energy in the room deflating and then they're like okay um good um we want you to think who is someone you idolize who who is your absolute hero that if you saw them in this room right now you would just die of happiness and I don't know why but I said Hannibal Lecter <laughs> Did you mean and Anthony Hopkins? I meant Anthony, but like, because I'm almost like, did you even mean him? Or you're like, I just that's the movie. Jodie Foster was in the hand. I don't know what I meant. I don't know. I was trying to be confident and funny, but on script at the same time. It's amazing what comes out of your mouth when you're nervous. So like, that's just what came out of my mouth, and I had to justify it. They were like. Okay, interesting choice. It just like got so quiet, and these people like didn't have the greatest sense of humor. So it's just like cool. And um, by this point, I was like, well, I don't think I've booked this, so I didn't know what else to do other than just like not say a line. And I just went, oh my god, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I love the level of commitment to it. <laughs> there is still like a glimmer of hope. They're like, all right, yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I never heard that. Oh so my I god. I think I booked it. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. 
Sarah Marchand, everybody, the lovely Sarah. Uh, you can check out Sarah's Instagram account at Sarah Marchand, uh, M-A-R-C-H-A-N-D, Sarah with an H. And uh, she's also part of Alma Matters Productions, so you can check that out as well. Uh, definitely appreciate her taking the time to chat with me. Coming up next, we have Howard Wagman, guys. Howard Wagman is the owner of Yuck Yucks Ottawa. He has been a very influential part of the uh, comedy scene here in Ottawa, and a lot of great names that you all know, and a lot that you don't, have all come up, uh, you know, starting at, at Yuck Yucks. Tom Green, uh, Norm MacDonald, Jeremy Hotz, John Doerr, these are all guys who've worked under uh, under Howard in the beginning, and, uh, and he continues to mentor comics uh, all the time. And he's had the pleasure of working with some comedy greats and having experiences with them, and, uh, and he's going to tell us about it. So you want to hear a couple of cute little stories? I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, the most interesting part of all of this is the people we get to meet, right? I've gotten to meet so many heroes. A lot of them are gone now. And three of them come to mind. One was Sam Kinison. He was a Baptist preacher um, and from a Baptist preacher family in the South. And um, he had that personality, that, that shouting, um, intense personality. But I think one of the greatest ever Letterman spots, if you can Google it, was Kinison's first Letterman. Yeah. But he was incredible. And he, we were lucky enough to catch him, as you know, small clubs are, on the early side of the career right and he played the club three times before he became uh, a name name yeah and i remember the third time the most because it was one of the worst snowstorms ottawa ever had it was in uh, i guess about 86 he was on his way in and i get the rider and the rider was a bottle of vodka <laughs> and a gram of cocaine <laughs> so so the manager of toronto got got the same call and he says, I'm not buying drugs for this man. <laughs> and I said, what are, you, are you fucking crazy? Of course you are. If you don't buy drugs for this man, you don't get a great show. Right. So anyway, I, I knew Sam already from the two previous visits. And I said, oh, okay, I know how this goes. So I didn't just get one of each. I got two of each. <laughs> and when that call at four o'clock in the morning came, I was his best friend forever. Yep. <laughs> He never forgot me. Anyway, that's my cute little story on Sam Kinison. Did you uh, did you watch the Comedy Store uh, documentary that came out recently? You know what? I haven't had time to do that, but I'm going to do that. Mike Binder, the director, did an outstanding yeah. job of paying homage to some of the greats. Sam, I think, had pretty much his entire uh, an episode to him. So there's only six episodes, but uh, but Sam was definitely uh, definitely featured, and I think that, like you said, great great comic and. Definitely check out the Letterman set and they'll actually get an opportunity to, to learn a little bit more about, about Sam Kinison. When I was at the comedy store uh, a couple of years ago, they, <laughs> cause you, you know, the rule with the parking lot, right? No one can go out there except for comics and staff, but one of them got permission from like a manager to allow me out into the parking lot with one of the doormen long enough to see the, the bullet hole in the back of the sign that, that Sam shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a picture of it on my phone somewhere. Maybe I'll, I'll throw it up <laughs> on Instagram or whatever. It but. was amazing. You don't, you don't get to see stuff like that anymore. People who just don't care. They're willing to take all the chances. And those are the people who, uh, you know, that, that's what I love about this thing. So, um, quick story. Number two mm -hmm. is, um, when I got the chance to meet Mitch Hedberg, another one of my heroes, oh, wow. one of the greatest joke writers of all time, such a sweet, sweet man, another guy who passed away, drug overdose, but 
this is a guy who offstage not only you know you hear about comics and how they're shy mm -hmm. he couldn't even lift his head to look you in the eye he, he would stare at his shoes when he talked to you he had that long hair that hung over his eyes and he wore he wore sunglasses most of the time but man could that guy write jokes i mean how many people have a repertoire of, of, of you know a good hour mm -hmm. it's hard to listen to anybody for an hour let's face it right even yeah. no matter how much you like him but this guy i mean he would do quick one-liners and, and brief jokes and you and they were like 80 90 percent killer right yeah so anyway that's what killed me about him there's a few more but not many Stuart francis can do that too oh but my god and i heard he retired he did retire that's very sad yeah i i, I heard he was opening for ricky gervais did this big tour of theaters and then just retired. I think he had just had enough. I don't think he loved the touring. Mm. Um, I don't even think he loved doing comedy. I think he liked it, but it ran its course for him. Um, yeah, I wanted to say that when uh, Mitch came the second time, he asked us to hire a bass player, not rock and roll bass, a stand-up yeah. bass. Yeah. And he sat on the stage and just plucked, and it was like beat, beat poetry comedy. Yeah. And he would do his jokes, and it was ding, 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 and he'd do a joke, and then he'd move on, and another one, and the bass player in the background. It was so amazing to watch that. Yeah. I think he ended up doing that for one of his albums, was having the bass player. I believe so, yeah, because I remember hearing that on an album. And then afterwards, a few other comics within that decade would have like a guitarist just kind of doing it in the background. So even those people who see guys, again, like Dimitri Martin... There's another, yeah. another guy, I think Kyle Kinnan or something like that will yeah. play some music, yeah. but people, the, again, the, the young generation hears that and they're like, oh, that's so new and fresh. And it's like, no, there was, you know, there was guys doing well, yeah. it for, for a long time. Like, sure. Everything that's old is new again. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I got to talk to Henny Youngman uh, about a couple of years before he passed. I wanted to see if I could book him. Okay. And I did some digging and I tried to find out who his agent was and he didn't have one. Really? I said, Really? So what do you do if you want to book him? You call him personally. And I said, really? Do you have his number? And uh, I think it was Roger Paul, who's a manager in New York, said to me, he's at the Friars Club playing cards at lunch every single day. Just call the Friars Club. <laughs> so I did. And he came to the phone. And I was so blown away that he <laughs> came to the phone. And he talks to me and uh, I, I told him who I was and, how honored I was, you know, and this is such a thrill. And I, I said, okay, well, what do you want me to do? Do I negotiate with you over the phone? <laughs> and he says, tell me how much you're going to give me, kid. And, he, and I said, okay, this is what we can afford. This is how many seats we have. And he goes, ah, you guys, you always want the, you want the moon. He, he wasn't going to say yes anyway, right? Oh. It was a fair offer for a 150-seat club. Right. But, you know, and I was going to give him a huge percentage of the door. And But anyway, it wasn't. It didn't matter. Yeah. I got to talk to Henny Youngman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... Like, take my wife, please. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? In the top five of all time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and the funny thing is some people know that. They don't have any idea what it's from. Right. You know? He's like, my wife, she says, uh, what is it? Uh, take me somewhere. I want to go somewhere I've never been before. I said, try the kitchen. You know what I mean? Like those, yes. those old Henny Youngman lines. I love them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I heard another story just on Henny Youngman. Uh, I can't remember who I was talking to, a comic years ago. And he was saying that, that, uh, he was at a show just present at a show where Henny Youngman was in the audience and the comic on stage was dying a horrible death. 
And this was like when he was old, 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 old. He goes, he's comic on stage is dying a terrible death telling jokes after jokes not working. And at one point, I don't know what he was thinking, but he just goes, uh, uh, hey guys, we got a real, uh, real comedy legend in the, in the crowd. Uh, Mr. Uh, Henny Youngman's here. And apparently like he was, he was dozing off at everybody. But when they said his name, this was the other comedian in the crowd who was watching. said, so when he said his name out loud for like a big round of applause, Everyone clapped and everything, but he heard his name, applause, and apparently kind of woke up and just started walking up to the stage like he'd been oh, yeah. he was getting brought up on stage kind of thing. That's nice. That's so funny. Definitely. Here's a movie that here's a movie that everybody listening needs to go go and see if they haven't already. And that's Broadway Danny Rose. Shit, I haven't seen that. It came out in eighty four. It's a bunch of comics sitting around a deli table and telling stories. And it's all about the business. And Danny Rose is Woody Allen. And he talks about the acts that when they get a little success, they would leave him. So he had his blind xylophone player. He had his uh, balloon folding act. He had, anyway, I won't spoil it, but. No, that sounds you great. Need, you need to see that movie. And you're saying Woody Allen plays Danny Rose? Yeah. Oh, okay. I love, I love Woody Allen stuff. I love Woody Allen stuff. Uh, there was a lot of the deli scenes in anything else, which is one of my favorite comedy movies. It's so Woody Allen. And I, and I love that he was almost passing the torch to Jason Biggs in that role where he's in the movie, but he's letting Jason Biggs play kind of young neurotic <laughs> Woody Allen. Right. I'm very, very happy that we're not losing comedy in Ottawa. That's that's, or at least thus far, Lord knows how much longer we're all going to stay in lockdown, but the the businesses i've seen at least two or three businesses that i that i worked at as a teenager go under uh during this time and it's it sucks yeah it's it's heartbreaking but i'm i'm glad to like i'm very glad that that you know yuck yucks is still here um because we i'm almost like my positivity is like it sucks right now but hopefully the flip side of the coin is as soon as everything opens again everybody's going to be lining up and you guys be sold out for the longest time just because everyone needs it. You know what I mean? Like you said, laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. I I sure hope so. Yeah. I I miss it. I miss it. So, okay. My friend, thank you for uh, for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks Josh. Be well. And there we are, everybody. Some stories from Howard Wagman, owner of yuck yucks, Ottawa. Um, You can still get tickets uh, at yuck yucks.com slash Ottawa for the the club here in Ottawa. As I mentioned off the top of the show, it has been uh, relocated temporarily to the Lagos bar and grill at Dow's Lake pavilion here in Ottawa. Um, That's where I will be recording my JFL originals set this evening. Um, So looking forward to be back there. Everything is very safe. It's very socially distanced. There's plexiglass for the comics uh, to stand behind. Uh, All the servers are wearing masks. Everything is very safe. And just want to add on top of that, that no cases of COVID have been uh, reported from any comedy clubs in uh, Canada. So um, anyone who's gotten a case of COVID, no one has traced it back to a comedy club. So uh, the comedy clubs are doing everything they can to make it so that we can still come out and get some laughs uh, during the pandemic. So come out and get yourself some laughs, uh, especially during these uh, pandemic times. Next up, Tommy Savitt, guys, great comedian, super hilarious guy. Uh, Tommy Savitt has a character that he developed absolutely hysterical called the Tommy Llama. And, uh, I, you know, you got to hear it for yourself to understand what he does. Uh, he had a show at, uh, the Tropicana and he had a show at, uh, the stratosphere in Vegas where he was like, you know, uh, like a residency, right? He was there. That was the show that you could expect to see on a regular basis. Very, very funny guy. And, uh, and Tommy was featured on the podcast before in an episode, but, uh, here you'll have an opportunity to hear, especially during these times, 
as I've mentioned of the pandemic, uh, a little bit of, of enlightenment and a little bit of, of advice and perspective from the one and only Tommy Lama. The blessings of the plague. Uh, blessings. How we've never had it so good. It's, uh, spiritual advice. What do you have? Uh, what's the advice that you have for everybody going into? What do you think is the healthy advice for everyone? We're in biblical times right now. It's, uh, you know, it's like the great flood of Noah. Sodom and Gomorrah has been destroyed. And a new rebirth. We just take two of each species and uh, on the ark and we start anew. So a lot of these evil comedy clubs will be gone. We'll take a, a two will survive. It'll be a whole new land, a whole new opportunity, blessings, um, and more. Uh, and it's good for the, uh, the carbon. Well, how how has the llama been keeping himself during these times? Uh, I look at it as a uh, it's a lot of leisure time, man. It's a lot of le- leisure time. Trusting the government to take care of me, having cocktail rituals. Now I have rituals that I didn't have before because I was always traveling. You know, uh, seven o'clock is cocktail hour in my house, in my home, and then I, I I drink enough that I get knocked out. And I wake up at five, start my day with a, a vigor and enthusiasm that I've never had before, and it's a lot of R and R. I'm out in my backyard. I I uh, try a lot of different cigars. Since cigars are going, uh, they're doing great exponentially in sales. Uh, the mail, mail-in cigars. I'm ordering. I'm like, uh, I'm ordering daily. Now that the mail-in service, do you get to pick? Is it like a like a subscriber, or do you just order it and they they deliver them to you? Well, I subscribe, but I, I get I get it through my email, and they send it to me. Okay, all right, but it's not like they don't suggest like a, like a, one of those tea or coffee clubs where like every month we'll send you different stuff like. They don't curate it for you and go here. Try these new cigars. It's more just they'll, you can. No, this is. They'll send you. This is what I. You know, they'll they'll suggest it, but you can order anything you want. Okay. You don't, It's not a, a a book club where we send you a random book every month. Fair. Okay. That's what I, I thought. I, uh, no, it's not. A, I order on my own frequency. Cigar. <laughs> I have one for breakfast. I go in the hot tub. That's how I started my morning today. Yep. A hot tub. An hour in the hot tub or whatever, half hour with a cigar. That's incredible. Do you like the, do you like the hour long smokes? Yes. Yeah. I prefer uh, a big ring gauges. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it depends on the time of day. So like, this is like a nice, you know, uh, you know, I just had breakfast. So, you know, or this is good for an empty stomach, you know, it's not too hard. Right. And then, and then I gradually move on. Yeah, I've got a I've lot got of a busy, busy day. Busy. <laughs> what do you got busy going on? What's your What are your days looking like now? Well, I got I got to first curate my cigars, and, you know, line them up like, you know how you line up your vitamins in that box? That's right. I got to do the same thing. It's my medicine. <laughs> That's why I'm so healthy. So for yourself, you're saying you got your, your cigars lined up in the morning. You've got, you curate your day. Yeah, no, like. I like a lot of people have a medicine cabinet where they're filing their B vitamins, their A vitamins, their little cartridge boxes. I do that with my cigars. Like I have my breakfast cigar, uh, and then I'll go on for an afternoon cigar. I may go with a Connecticut wrapper for the nighttime cocktail hour that I have daily. 
I'll tend to go Maduro. I have variety. I'm very spontaneous. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of time to plan my day. And that's why I'm so healthy. Right. I'm able to withstand anything. But you're healthy physically and also mentally. So I would ask, during that cocktail hour where you I've never been healthier. During that cocktail hour, to keep your mental health, what is it that you reflect on? I, I reflect that we're going to start a whole new world that when right now time has stopped for everyone, right? We're recalibrating in five, 10 years when we're finally allowed out of the house, we'll be able to start your own farm. You'll be able to have a rooster. You'll be able to get like organic eggs made. Like it, it's like, and you have all this time now to treasure and plan five to seven years from now when we get out of this awakening i think it's incredible so in the meantime i get my uh necessary tar uh from the and this is all natural this is not manufactured it's not uh, processed it's not like processed cigarettes we get all that unwanted chemicals and unnatural chemicals right this is natural god doesn't make anything bad and look, look how clear this vodka is. Clear. Freshly squeezed. Two ice cubes. There may be a bug in it. Protein. <laughs> but, and, you know, I'm out here daily uh, listening to the n- sounds of nature like the, the uh, lawnmower. A lot of people are lawn mowing, and I get to hear that whirring, that buzzing. So it takes me to a place. Uh, it's like it's very catatonic. I'm loving life, you know. Uh, it is only through great despair that we can achieve our greatness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with, what I'm saying is without pain, there is no pleasure. So uh, this is a time I, I've never been so happy. Yeah. I, I, I've never been so rejoiceful. We're eliminating carbon footprints one day at a time. Look, I could smell the pollen. <laughs> That's true. For me, it does horrible things to my, my body's chemistry. Well, the thing is, the old you would be allergic because it's bringing up some kind of childhood trauma. Maybe you went by a dandelion as a child and it had a thorn and it cut you and it sliced your belly because you were out with your midriff exposed, running into the dandelions and all that stuff. And, you, and so it's all traumatic now. The Lord is saying it's a time to respect. Enjoy the time as our government takes care of us and nurtures us. So this is like out we're in the womb again. This is incredible. <laughs> except you're not in a confined area except upon the stay-at-home orders. Our our womb has expanded. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just more roomy and then you know, you're not limited to what your mother ingests. You could go out and uh, put whatever you want into your system. That's right. You can curate your own beverages and cigars. So yeah. what is it What is it that you've got planned for, uh, for once you exit the womb on your rebirth after this? Well, what's going to happen now is that maybe I'm going to become a politician. I'm going to run as a councilman, start small, and then, and then wind up in prison. That, that's the natural course of things. Right. You get caught. A lot of these politicians, they've been politicians all their lives, so they know how to cut corners. Most of them don't get caught. 
uh, cheating. Most of them don't get caught. I would get caught, but and that's when my true purpose in life is to bring hope and light to the prisoners. I see my fellow inmates, my conglomerates. <laughs> what would your what would be your uh, your running platform to get everything started? And then what is what is it you think that you would get caught for? I take bribes. I uh, you know I'm like Robin Hood. I would take the bribes and put it to efforts that are important to me. I'd order more cigars with with the money for good causes. And why would I order it? Because it would bring more lucidity to my thoughts to make it a better world. It's a good yeah. platform. I'm a beautiful man. But they would catch you. Well, because everything's recorded these days. I mean, if you notice, like, even in the cars, vehicles, uh, there's video cameras, like, on, on the uh, – Windshield, what's it called? The the rear view mirror? The, the dash cams? Dash cam. Yeah, everyone has a dash cam now. You can't hide anything. It's not like it was where you could bury a body in peace. That's true. I do like the positivity though. There's a there's a, a, a hidden metaphor to, to dash cams to me, is that they're all unlike the rear view mirror, is the dash cams are always pointed forward. Yes. As opposed to the dash, the, the rear view. Back. Everyone's stuck in the past. Everyone's going, oh, I want comedy to come back. I want, co it's over, baby. It's <laughs> over. The ground has been raised. It's not coming back. Not the way you think it is. It's over. And now what does this do? It allows us to find our other talents and find out what it is. And uh, mine is to preach to prisoners in the end. I, I, cause I could see the future, but this is a time to find out we're more than comedians, more than entertainers. Of course. I'm a philosopher. I am a sociopathic uh, charity builder. I'm not ready for the message. I think is what I'm learning. <laughs> You're not ready. Oh, people don't like your message. They don't like my message. They, oh, comedy's coming back. I can't wait to get on again. Well, sorry, buddy. That trip has sailed. That that train has sailed. And the trains don't sail. But that's incredible what you could do if you put your mind to it. I can vision because my mind is telepathic and it's like a hologram. I can picture a train sailing. That's how vivid your mind is if you just tap into the inner resources. Somebody shared an absolutely inarguable truth with me the other day. They said that there's way more planes in the ocean than submarines in the sky. That is a scholar, and I, I would uh, get in touch with that guy and have daily <laughs> sessions with that person. That is brilliant. I that thought so, brilliant. and I thought it's inarguable. They're absolutely correct. So as a man who wants to work with prisoners, I yes. believe, because I've known you to always be someone who you don't, you don't jump. So many politicians and people, they will just speak without, you know, first – reconciling their beliefs on a subject, but you've always been somebody to, to take your time and develop the message before sharing it with the popular. So I would say as a man who wants to work with prisoners is what crime do you think that, that there are people incarcerated for that should be released and what crime is existing currently that people should be incarcerated for? Well, listen, as you and I, let's not fool ourselves. Most of them are innocent. We're innocent. born, we're born innocent. What happens to us? Yeah, we're born innocent. <laughs> Sometimes we commit crimes because it's just not our fault. It's our upbringing. You know, you're angry at your father. You're angry at your mother. That's why we should do away with parents altogether. So the parents are the ones who should be incarcerated. Yeah, no, we should be separated from our parents. Young. That's why adopted kids thrive. Yeah, you can't sell booze without a license. How come you can make kids without a license? Ted Bundy was adopted. And look, look at the fame he acclaimed. What do you think is the, there's people behind bars right now 
for crimes. What do you think is the number one crime they should be released for? I mean, uh, embezzlement. I mean, that's, you know, what kind of ingenuity it takes, especially with these corporations. If you can, seriously, give respect. If you could plot a device where you uh, built the own company you work for, for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and uh, make something out of yourself through that type of sweat and labor, you should get respect. We have a lot of greats, you know, uh, like Bernie Madoff. I mean, I mean, he's exalted. In prison, uh, they beat up the cholos, child molesters. They, right. they, they, they this is an ethics in prison. Like rape, you know, rapist children to no go. Murder's okay, but you know, but like these, this parameters. Right. Embezzlement. You're like a rabbi. So there's an honor system. There's ethics in prison, and that's why when you go to prison and you come out, you're ready for the rigors of life and to be an upstanding citizen that you were meant to be. Do not cheat yourself out of that. You could start right now, Josh, by defying stay-at-home stay orders. Start small. Walk out, of, walk out of your house, get fined, don't pay the fines. And eventually it's going to catch up to you, Josh. That's right. And the Lord will put you where you're meant to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Salvation. It's, what do you think? Why do you think monks are in solitaire? Oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's all good, man. But no, this is a time for all of us to appreciate the miracle of life and hear the birds chirping hear the crickets chirping as well and thank you thank you lord gratitude this is all about gratitude and then if you're happy if that's your base of happiness there can be no sorrow sorrow is derived from coldness and and despair it's it's away from the creator so once you have the creator within you you could you could be on the titanic till the very end listening to the music. The musicians stayed at the end. The musicians did not move. They stayed there bringing joy till the very end. Right. And they away in peace. Shivering and, you know, you know, hanging on a, ra- a raft bow and shivering and, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Not, you're not enjoying yourself, are you? No. So, like, yeah, so like you said, it's when things look despair and, and sorrow, you just keep playing till the end. It's only through despair and sorrow that we grow. It's only through pain. The uh, the strongest steels are forged in the hottest fires. Yes. Very astute. Listen, I've never had such a good time in my life. I, I start off my day, Josh. I go in the hot tub for a, a half hour to 45 minutes. I'll have a breakfast cigar. Okay? I don't start drinking till cocktail hour. Okay? And, and the great, there's no rules. Cocktail hour can start whenever you want now. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to go the bar, bars are closed here in Los Angeles I have a bar in my house and anytime I want to open I open up I do what I want I I, uh, I have my meals prepared uh, in between cigars um, I communicate with those that I want to I'm at peace and yeah and I talk to animals now this is a time of joy and there's nothing to despair over don't sweat the small stuff i have a glow about me josh i mean i wish the pandemic started sooner Uh, these are the blessings and there it was guys 
Blessings of the Plague from the Tommy Lama, Tommy Savitt, guys. Uh, Tommy Savitt, just check out his Facebook fan page. You can either check out Tommy Savitt or the Tommy Lama. And uh, there's also his Instagram account, which is the Tommy Lama. Who's up next? My buddy, Nick Reynoldson, another great comedian. Uh, Nick is just uh, just a good buddy. Love hanging with him. Super nice dude. Um, with Nick, uh, I just, you know, reached out and said, hey, man, do you have any funny stories or any hell gigs or anything like that you got coming up? And uh, and Nick had a few stories for me here, so I will share them with you now, guys. Enjoy. I'm um, I got I like all of the... All of the good and disaster stories are kind of like when when uh, when Comedy Records actually first started and we went to the East Coast. Oh yeah, um, like we went on. Oh yeah, it was like me. I, I've done a, I've done that tour, like the East Coast College tour, uh, maybe four times. Um, and I've gone with like you know Naziopolis, Monty Scott, Mark DeBonis, I went with K Trev. Nice. Um, and every every trip out, buddy, it, it's fucking madness. Something insane happened. <laughs> Um, dude, like my first tour, I lost my phone. Like the first day, like we got to P, we drove to PEI. Okay. You did the, the, what was it? The Confederation bridge or whatever to get over there. Yeah. 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 So, uh, dude, like I can't even tell you like the first night we, I get there my first tour. Right. So I'm so young comic. Like I'm like so happy. You know, this is like nine years ago, dude. So I'm pumped. I'm like, Oh yeah, fucking made it. Um, (laughs) get to PI, we go to this house party. I get, we get just, just like you get East coast drunk, which is the next kind of drunk, right? No, I know you guys in Ottawa, you guys fucking, you guys are drunks too. Oh yeah. Yeah. We know how to tie one on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought I did like, I'm half Guyanese. I'm like, I got Guyanese blood, man. I'm fucking immune to rum. Let's do this. No, yeah. no. I Was this remember. before the show? Like you went to this house party before your first show or this no, is no, like, no, no, no. you go, you do the show and then, Hey, you guys going to come back and hang with us. Yeah. It okay. was like one of like the locals. Like, Hey, come to this house party. You're like, okay, man. And dude, they gave me moonshine on stage. <laughs> Like on stage, I'm taking shots of moonshine, thinking it's like just rum. Like, no, 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 this is not rum, dude. This is was made in a bathtub. Like, this is fucking poison. <laughs> um, so just hammered. We're in this house party, uh, and the house party ran out of like liquor. But, but, like it, it, it was like they didn't plan for three raging alcoholics on their first tour to come, right? So like they're, they're like, yeah, oh, dude, we don't. So we we I don't know what happened. We got kind of angry. And uh, we just started stealing like little action figures from this fucking house party, just jacking them and uh, like trying to be covert. But you're so drunk that people are like, hey, can you put that back? Like, oh, yeah, my bad, dude. Just like, yeah. yeah. You go to put one in your, your coat pocket and three fall out. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's like a cartoon. Like, just stuffed with all these action figures. Like, wait, we, we shouldn't. Uh, we talked ourselves out of it. We got to leave this. We can't. Our first day on tour, we can't rob a fucking house. So. <laughs> That's, that's the <laughs> that's the road story that that's hysterical. Yeah, we uh, we hired these comics and uh, they robbed us. They robbed us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they'll be back here next uh, summer for orientation. <laughs> Dude, so many drunken East Coast like that was the first time I saw a deer like up close, and I lost my mean mean uh, Mark the bonus were just drinking outside. It was a uh, must have been summery. Like it definitely wasn't winter. We wouldn't be outside drinking at a picnic bench if it was winter, obviously, but. Uh, <laughs> And you know, K Trev has been K has been around, but uh, me, of course, me, me and the bonus are from Scarborough, so we like this shit was like fucking Jurassic Park to us, dude. We were <laughs> hammered, and a deer just walked like right up to us, and like I stood on the table, like what the fuck is happening? And K Trev made fun of us, like still to this day. He's like, I remember when 
you guys lost your shit over a deer and you're like okay bro like we haven't been around man. <laughs> I know about beef patties and cocoa bread. You know what I mean? Not fucking random deer walking into my face. And they walked into your face. Like, what are you? Uh, what are you snacking on there? Dude, walked in like you got a fucking problem. This is our bench. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay. I think we had like the day off, so it was like you know when you have the day off on tour, you're like, oh, this is the drinking day, buddy. Like, we got to put ourselves to bed tonight, right? Like, we had nothing to do, so we were heavy into uh, a two four, uh, and then. Just a fucking deer out of nowhere, dude. It was, it was like majestic and terrifying. It was like a fairy tale. Was, oh my God. <laughs> I, uh, I had that happen in Scotland. I was driving in the middle of the night because we had to get to like a 5.30 a.m. ferry. The, the GPS is taking you down like back roads and then like dirt roads and then drive through this field. Like that's the GPS. Not even like down this, like just... And now you just cut across this field in your vehicle. And I'm like, okay. And it's dark. There's no lights anywhere. We're in rural Scotland and just drive, 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 bang. And then like, and we're not talking like deer, like does that you see here. We're talking full fucking Glenfiddich, you know, racked <laughs> yeah. fucking bucks. And I'm like, that's a Milwaukee bucks. Oh, and it was, and they're, but they're right in front and several of them, several yeah. of them, just right there looking at you. And I'm like, I don't, I've never seen a buck before. So I'm like, it's always does always, or very young males. This is, this is a fuck you. Like we found the Tom Brady yeah, of the buck. Muscles. You're like, oh yeah. Dude. And I'm like, all I, all I remember thinking is I'm like, I don't want to piss things, this thing off. We, this is our only day to get off the island. We got to go through this like field of deer with all these bucks and everything. And I'm just going like, this is a rental. Like if I piss it off and it slams the thing, I'm like, what's this going to cost me? So I'm like, dude, you got to get the insurance, man. You can drive that fucking car off the, uh, into the ocean if you want it. Dude, European insurance. I think it cost us for like five days. The insurance was like $300. Well, I think it was, it was 178 pounds. So ooh. whatever that conversion is back to North, you know, dollars was like, I'm like, fucking Canada. It's like $10 a day for the yeah, insurance yeah, I mean, yeah. nothing. And there it was like you know, a day's worth of drink. I'm like, that's like another bottle of scotch each. Cause I was with Simon. You want to yeah. talk fucking hell gigs <laughs> to, to travel Scotland with Simon. God. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a hell trip. God, good Lord. <laughs> let alone the gigs. Good God. So can you think just, just to throw it out there, right? Like a hacky interviewer. What can you think of what the worst gig that you've yeah. ever, <laughs> it's Oh yeah, the, I know. I, I, I like it's, this shit was like a movie. It was uh, me and Keith Pedro. Okay. We went to I don't I don't remember if it was North Bay or Sudbury. Okay. It was some fucking up north, and it was like a corporate party, um, for like their GM dealership. Like it was a GM dealership, and they were having like their work Christmas party. So it was it was Keith doing thirty, and then me doing thirty. So we get to the gig. And it's in this beautiful, like, theater, dude. Like, I'm like, this is going to be fucking amazing. And then you just kind of, like, you know, you're sitting backstage and you just, you're just listening to the audience and you're like, yo, these guys sound fucking hammered. Like, <laughs> next level hammered. Like, they're fighting with each other. We're like, okay. I'm like, fucking thank God I don't have to go first on this shit, right? So Keith goes up. Buddy, they're, they're, they're insane. Like, they're the rowdiest bar gig, but in a theater. The juxtaposition is so weird. You know what I mean? Because you're like dressed nice and you like think you have this well-paying theater gig, but it's just fucking maniacs screaming like it's fucking. They're at the Keith. They're like, this is it's Manny Pacquiao. What's up, man? Like, so this was like a, a like a party. 
right? Purchased, purchased for the, the employees or whatever. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. not like, cause you would never think that at a soft seat theater, you're thinking they all paid 60, 80, hundred dollars to be here. They're not going to ruin their own show. So they stuffed them in here because they didn't oh, have anywhere else to, to put this show. Oh, yeah, that, that's a mind fuck right there. And they're wearing all plaid and fucking jeans. Like they're, they didn't go to the theater, brother. They went to their Christmas party. Right. So yeah. Like, oh, there's two idiots fucking talking during our Christmas party. What the hell is happening? So, anyhow, Keith's supposed to do 30. You know, he's got the comic and he's trying to get him a little bit. Can't get him. 45 minutes goes by. So I'm like, Keith, get the fuck off. Get the fuck off. Really? I'm like, yeah, I don't. I'm like, I, hey, man, I'm doing 25, dude. I'm doing like, I'm not. We're here for an hour, brother. So, I, so Keith, horrible, right? Horrible time. Gets off. He's like, Never gets oh, them. Never gets them all the time. You, you can't get these people. Bro. Right. You can't get them. So I get up. And, you know, I say, you know, my, my opening joke is about, oh, I'm mixed or whatever, you know, and it's like kind of like, you know, I, I'm going self-deprecation. I'll get you on my side by shitting on myself. Right. 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 We can we can agree. With, I look weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did not agree. They did not like it. Um, and then, dude, I swear to God, a man in a cowboy hat stands up in the audience and he's like, that's fucking enough. And I thought he was talking to me. <laughs> this guy starts walking towards the stage. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. And it's this fucking tall, like, dude, he looked like Robert Redford. Like, with a cowboy hat, boots on. He looked fucking <laughs> handsome, big dude, right? He just goes, give me the microphone. And, I, dude, I had no idea who the fuck this was, but he was so commanding. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> so I'm on, it's a theater stage, right? So I'm, I'm fucking up here, and this guy's down here. So I give him the microphone down here. He takes the microphone, turns it on me. Oh, he never like, even got on the stage. He just walked up to the front of it and was like, give me the mic. Wow, yeah, that's hilarious. One thing you never do as a comic is give a fucking audience member the mic. But yeah. I was like, yeah, this is going terrible. What, how, how much worse could this get? Let's see what's up, bro. Here you go. He takes it, he turns to the audience, and he goes, you guys are fucking embarrassing. He's like, we, we tried to do something good for the fucking company, and this is how you do it. You're all fucking drunk. He's like, I had to kick fucking Tony out of here with the beginning of the fucking show. <laughs> so this was the boss. This was the owner of the thing shitting on his employees. Dude, he, he cuts a wrestling promo for fucking four minutes just screaming at, like, naming people. He's like, you won't be here fucking Monday, Tony. Wow. Dude, and then gives me the microphone back. So I fucking, hey man, there's I, like you, five you, people in the crowd trying to figure out how they're going to make their mortgage payments since they just lost their job. Oh, dude, people are leaving like tears and shit because like literally you you're got fired. Your family's fucked because you got hammered at a work party oh and you gave God. two shithead comedians from Toronto a rough time. <laughs> <laughs> now your kids can't eat, dude. Your kids can't go to college. That's fucking... Jokes, did you get them <laughs> after that? Dude, Which I, is the worst, and it's never going to happen. Yeah, and like so, so I got it back, and I can't remember. And I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, because you know, it was never the full audience that was rowdy and drunk. There's some, you know, right. you know, people that know how to fucking carry themselves after some liquor, right? So they're like, you kind of had like I sat down, dude. Like, you know, I'm like the performance is over. I'm like, people lost their livelihoods at their Christmas party. I sat down at the edge of the stage and like just talked about it. I'm like, this is, they put you fucking monsters in this beautiful theater. Like we could have done this in the back of one of your cars, you fucking idiot. I just feel like when he's yelling at his employees, he's got that whole like dad just hit mom at the dinner table vibe. Like everyone's oh, dude, like, oh. it was because we were all like, oh my god, <laughs> and I can hear Keith in the back. He's like, oh. he's like, you got our fucking, you still got twenty minutes, bro. 
And there it is. Some of the stuff from my buddy, Nick Reynoldson and the experiences that he's had guys, you can check out Nick Reynoldson's album. I'll be fine. Uh, it was called an instant comedy classic by now magazine. And you can also hear him, uh, on his podcast, talking Raptors with, uh, with Barry Taylor, which is another great comic. So, uh, definitely check out, uh, his album, check out his, uh, his podcast. Next up, somebody who a lot of you who know me know that this guy needs no introduction only because he's a constant pain in the ass while I'm recording this podcast. He's my roommate, but on top of that, he's also the owner of Absolute Comedy, the other comedy club that I perform at here in Ottawa. And uh, Jay was the very last one that I recorded because it took forever to get him to cooperate with me. Um, But again, that's just the dynamic. Jason is my friend, but he's also a huge pain in the ass. But Jay has got some stories for me too. Some uh, some road gigs. He's uh, you know before he was a comedy club owner, he uh, he too was one of the people that came up under Howard Wagman's uh, you know uh, tutelage and advice. And uh, and Jason even even pays respect to that when he's uh, when he's telling me the stories. But uh, but Jay too, as a comic, uh, has has got some stories of some things that happened with him on the road, and he's going to share them with you now. Worst comic uh, I work with. That's good, John Dor. <laughs> really. Work with him on the road, did an East Coast tour, bombing every night. Nicest guy, so, liked him so much, but oh my God, like I'm, I, I begged him, he was emceeing, let me emcee, just because as a middle act in the headline, I'm going up after someone bombing so bad, and this was tough one-nighters in the East Coast, just let me, please, no, 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 I got it, no, I don't think you got it. And then, like, honest to God, I'm in my head going, this guy's never going to be anything. And, like, like, now, like, he's, you know, more famous than most of the Canadian people we know. Yeah, absolutely. Just the work ethic of someone to just keep plugging it after bomb. I, I don't know if I could bomb that three nights in a row like that. Seven nights in a row. Yeah. Maybe one. Come on. Give me one okay night where we're not. I, I couldn't even watch. Like, it was just digging yourself out a hole every single time. Or the comic who beat me in the just for last competition i was in homegrown competition when i won out of ottawa <laughs> and i remember him winning the competition never heard of him before then he opened for me when i was on a west coast tour and five nights of him bombing so bad <laughs> i'm on tour out west doing a show in Tierra bc and him opening in front of me i never heard of the guy again i don't know if he's done anything on but just just how bad this person was super nice guy but whoa just not he was tv funny Right, but just not funny. Like for a tough one nighter in a bar gig, and I was like, you know, I was just starting to headline at that time. You know, it was just so weird to see this guy who had just done so well, but had a great eight minutes, and it's all he had. He did six minutes, and then just fifteen minutes of absolute. Oh my god! I wanted to throw my shoe at him. Get up the stage because <laughs> you're making my job so much harder. And I had to do thirty five. You know, I, he did so bad they were booing him halfway through my set. <laughs> That's my favorite. I don't yeah. know who told me that line was my favorite yeah. line. <laughs> Those booze are for him. <laughs> you had like one of the first uh, stories that you ever told me about being on the road was you worked with another comic and you guys got into it. You want to tell that story? Oh, Bob Keel. Well, he's not alive anymore. So I guess I get this story without him being able to tell his side. Yeah, I'm on the road out west. This is with the uh, other company, <laughs> which I started with. Nobody cares. By the way, if anyone says anything, they're my direct competition, but. I owe everything to them starting me out. Like the first seven years of doing comedies with the company, they got me 
good enough at doing comedy. You know, and I was a loyal employee and dedicated. And, I, and they, you know, working a lot with them got me good at what I was doing. And I learned, you know, everything. I learned what to do right and what to do wrong, too, mm-hmm. with them. So I'm on the road, uh, West Coast tour. See, the tour, this is what people don't know sometimes. People think they're comics, but they've even done shows like this where you fly into Calgary and we're getting off the plane, having to go pick up the other comic. I think it was like eight in the morning. Pick up the other comic for nine. We had an eight hour or nine hour drive to Regina. Regina was the first show. And then the next day, six hours to Prince Albert. No, Moose Jaw was the first show. Then it was like six hour drive again the next day to to Prince Albert. Prince Albert was where I got in the fight. So I'm at the show with, with the other comic. And uh, there was, at the time, I was kind of, comedy was like half about doing comedy, but half about, hey, let's have fun afterwards. I mean, it yeah. was, you weren't making a ton of money. So honestly, hanging out afterwards, talking to girls, picking up girls, you know, not always successful, but it was the chase and it was fun. Right. And someone new and exciting. And they saw you do comedy in a small town. You're just kind of a celebrity in a small town of Prince Albert, making a, whole room of 50 or 26 people at the time laughing anyway <laughs> hot girl in the crowd i went and would con i went and said hi to her she flirted with me a little bit i said hey, we're gonna go to this bar that was right underneath the uh place where we were staying so the hotel we were staying at. no now it used to be now it was a block away block away from where we were staying anyway so come let's go to this bar afterwards she goes okay i get in the car with the other comic he says hey i saw that girl She's hot because, yeah, she might be coming later. Anyways, she comes to the place. I know talking with her, dancing with her. He'd said something about her in the car there like, that she had one boob bigger than the other one. This, this is the weirdest story in the world. Like, <laughs> this is the only thing that got her so upset. And I'm a pretty open person and funny. Yeah. I'm talking to a girl. So I'm on the dance floor dancing with her. I can't remember how it came up. But I say, well, you know, Bob says one of your boobs is bigger than the other one. She goes, it's true. And she laughed and thought it was silly or funny, right? <laughs> Ended up dancing, a slow song, making out a little bit on the dance floor. She goes to the bathroom. I go back to the table. She comes up. Uh, I go to the bathroom, come back. She was up before me for whatever reason. I don't know how the hell she beat me out of the bathroom, but anyway, she did this thing. <laughs> Usually women are there longer. Come back, she's talk, and she's talking with the other comic, Bob at the time, and I see them sort of arguing, and she pushes him away, and I come over and say, what's going on? He grabs me like by like the throat, and pulls me towards him and his fist up in the air. Like I kind of put his arm down and then struggled him away. The bouncer came in between. I go, what the fuck is going on here, yeah. right? I go back there. She's like in shock because like something just, it was just a, like the bouncers had to come in in between. It got to that sort of like where he just grabbed me out of the blue. It was so Yeah, and you're not expecting something. to be attacked when you go yeah. back to the table. You have no idea what's going on. He uh, says something. The bouncer kick him out. I talked to her. I asked what was going on. Apparently, while I was away, he was talking to her and was staring at her tits. Mm. And then she brought back what I'd said to her. So it's like, why? You're looking at my tits because one's bigger than the other one? Because he, he was making her uncomfortable. Right. So she was just saying that. What like after me about? saying it to her, it didn't upset her. It just upset her that he was talking to her in that way. Yeah. And really was not interested in him. Well, especially if he's staring at her tits. So like yeah. he's just sitting there staring at her tits and she's trying to address it. And she's trying to address it, I guess, in a lighthearted way. Like, oh, are you trying to da da da? And then what? He just kept staring. He just thought that I was undermining him, that I said that to her to eliminate him As from the pack yeah, competition yeah, 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 for yeah. the night. Anyway, he goes back home. I talk with her. I get her phone number. I end up dating this girl, by the way, for over four months long term. I met her. I went and saw her twice. She came and saw me twice in Ottawa. So this was like... We're definitely... Yeah, something was actually there. Yeah. It wasn't just a... Yeah. I get back to the hotel. 
<laughs> All right, this is so about about an hour past because this is late in the night. We both had a couple of drinks, whatever. But I mean, I was soberish, right? I wasn't. I, I used to drink, but I was dancing too, so I wasn't drinking heavy because I wanted to be relatively yeah. sober, like hitting on this girl or whatever. I was really interested, and I really liked her. Uh, get back to the hotel. I go to my room. The doors open, and then I look around. There's like two empty beers on the bed. And I go, holy shit! Someone was in my room. Right, and then I look. So now I'm like, I'm like doing like a Barnaby Joe. I'm looking under the bed, see if there's someone in there. Like go in the bathroom and look behind the door and pull the shower curtain quickly to see if someone's in there. And like, holy shit! And I call the front desk. I go, was anyone in my room? They go, you were, Mister Lawrence. Ooh. What do you mean you were? So Bob had come back to the hotel, so so mad at me that he said he was me at the front desk, got my key, and was waiting for me. So I don't know how long he waited there, but let's say 15 more minutes. Right. We would have been in this, we've been in my hotel room when I came home. Maybe with her, maybe whatever, alone. He wanted to fight me or confront me, whatever reason. And he also got tired, had two beers, drank my beers, ballsy. <laughs> so I actually called the fucking police. Police came up, came, showed up, uh, looked at the room, whatever, went to the front desk, confirmed that he had he'd got, you know, um, into the room without like consent or whatever, a key. Yeah. And they said, you know, we can go arrest them right now. And they actually changed the policy at that hotel because of that situation. Think about that. Think about if you're oh, yeah. a celebrity and you know, you're doing a show, you're doing whatever, a podcast, you're doing whatever, and then somebody, a fan sees you. And, and says they, that they're you. Hey, and you're not big enough in that town to, for them to know who you yeah. are. Sure. Okay. Here's your key. Yeah. You're just somebody who's in town. Yeah. And then they, here's your key. Here's your key, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Williams. And then there's are waiting for you and whatever. It was just absolutely, it was complete assault. Yeah. They could have regressed him right there. I said, Listen, let me see what happens with him in the morning. This morning. Comes around like, and I just didn't want. I, I, I like this guy. I admired him as mm-hmm. well. Like he was, I'm as a newer comic on the road. He was been doing it forever, right? And I actually, got along with him 95 percent of the time. Other than that night, it was just a misunderstanding, in my opinion. Not not enough to get in a fist fight over the bar with. Like maybe yeah. what's wrong with you? We get up in the morning. Was it nine o'clock? The phones to the phones to the room. Jason, get up. We're leaving because the next day we had to go to work again. Two more shows. One more mm-hmm. in two nights in Saskatoon, and then another night, another one nighter. I gotta work with this guy. Yeah, <laughs> who just broke in my room one. Well, the thing you can't. You know, we can arrest him. It's like I, we're, we're, I gotta work. He's my right. <laughs> I knew at the time the problem with my, the other company I worked for. They didn't back you too much, and I was a new comic. You don't want to. It's kind of a weird thing. Like I wanted to try to settle it myself and not mm-hmm. not to put it past them. I don't know. But at this point, they should have stepped in and hey, listen, you know, don't be afraid. And I remember calling him saying, don't be worried. He's fine. I go, well, he's not fine. Like, my life yeah, is at stake. Faked, he stole my identity, went into my room, yeah. drank my beers. And he was <laughs> actually a guy that I, one of the guys that physically I'd be afraid of. He wasn't really? a big guy, but he was a boxer and oh. a notorious temper. Yeah. And a fighter, that kind of thing. And the stories I've heard about him were that, like, you know, even if I fought him, mm. even if I got the better him, he would get out of the hospital the next day, crawl out of bed. And then, you know, get in his wheelchair, we made outside. Oh, I got you. Come back here. Let's, let's do it again. It would never end. And yeah. it just never did with him. It's like Joe Pesci in Casino, right? They're like, <laughs> you get him with a knife, he's going to come back with a gun. You get him with a gun, you gotta, you better kill him because he'll just keep coming yeah. back. And Unless coming back. I killed him, I think that's the way it would be. So what did, did you end up addressing it with him? What did he say? Oh, in the morning, he says, meet me in the car. Because I had the keys to the car now. We were right. driving now from Prince Albert to Saskatoon, which is about, I believe, three hours but it was a nice drive. And then we had a radio interview <laughs> with the radio station in the early afternoon. Actually, I think we had to leave her because it might have been a morning, a noonish type of interview. Uh, and then talking about the show we were doing that weekend. So he gets, we get out of the car. So he says, meet me out in 15 minutes. So 
And about an hour later, I met him. He's, he's not bossing me anymore. He, yeah. And he gets just reams me out. Oh, you let a piece of pussy get in the way of a good friendship. And this is my trip. And I'm the headliner. And you listen to me. And I said, I just kind of listened to him. Let it go. Yeah. Let him just rant. Get it through. He did the job. Did the interview. And imagine, though, that we got in a fight with the interview. I got a tooth missing. He's a black eye. <laughs> this interview. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm so much fun working with this guy. We're good friends. Yeah. He's a great comic. What happened to you guys? We both fell down some stairs. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Nothing. Yeah. And then that night, the first night after the interview, we kind of got along again. He comes to my room and has a drink, wants to have a drink with me. It's his birthday and he's crying about his birthday and all friends with me again all of a sudden after two nights ago. Like it was just the weirdest, weirdest, like emotional. I just couldn't wait to get back. All right, worst, worst show. Okay, I did a show back. Uh, this was back with the other company. I think it was a nine o'clock or 10 o'clock late night show. It was for engineers. That were here in town, that were uh, were here to do a bobsled race. They had to design a bobsled and push it on the canal. Okay. So, Andrew, so it was kind of, a, but it was from they were all over the country from right. all these different universities. So, it was their party night. So they decided to have a comedy show. When we walked in the room, I remember Pierre Bro was on the show with me, okay. a good friend comic of, of ours. I can't remember the headliner's name. I'll think about it in a sec. And there was one other comic I'm seeing. When we got in the room, we walked in. There was a giant banana chasing a gorilla around the room. They were in the costumes. And like two mascots? Yeah, it was some mascots from each university. And it was absolutely, it was just mayhem. Just, it was just a buzz. Like when you walk in, a, just this big open, like that theater, but like a like banquet hall. Yeah. With the stage somewhere in the center with seats around where no one's sitting in them. They're all by the bar drinking. Right. And then when's the show starting? Oh, about half an hour. And on the stage was, I believe it was Stuntman Stewart, one of one of the celebrities from yeah, town. Like local radio guys. Yeah, on yeah. stage. And people were jumping on stage while he was talking. I was in a word he was saying. We couldn't hear what he was saying. And just, he was covered head to toe in stickers. They were just coming and dumping, jumping stickers on him from their universities or colleges or whatever oh they're from. And we go, oh my God, this is going to be fun. So I remember, I don't know if I went on first or second. I think I went on first and Pierre Bro was second. And then the headliner was going on last. I just focused on maybe there was maybe a thousand people there. Maybe 35 or 40 of them were sitting in front of us watching the show. The rest were all screaming, yelling from the back somewhere at the bar. Yeah. So I focused on the MC bringing me up. I don't believe they said, heard a word the MC said. I, I, I don't remember bombing, but I, there's no way I did well. I just focused on three people in the audience. I only had eight minutes to do, which is easy. Right. Pretty much easy. Yeah. Just ramble. And that time I was bulletproof. I probably, I know I didn't do well, but I just rambled through my set. I focused on two people in the audience that were smiling, got off, got done, went in the back, had a drink at the back. I remember at one point, Pierre Bro was on stage, two dudes <laughs> jumped on a table, pulled down their pants, and slapped their ass cheeks <laughs> to him <laughs> while he was on stage. And I'm just going to back, this is the fucking funniest thing in the world. <laughs> and you're you're done at this point, which is the I'm best. I'm done, so I'm Which finished. is the best. These nightmare yeah. gigs being at the end. Oh. And just watching guys die. It's sometimes it feels like the, instead of hanging everybody at once in the gallows, yeah. they're just, you're watching guys get hung and mm. you know, you're in line and you're like, oh. and the hardest job is the MC for that job. Cause like they weren't listening to anybody bringing someone up. Maybe we get the initial clap you get when you say this next act is like, now this is yeah. like, oh, something different is happening and they go crazy and clap. Yeah. And then they get a clap again when you say good night when that's, there's only eight minutes gone by. Yeah, watching someone else. <laughs> I remember Pierre, because his perspective when I was on was the same as my perspective watching him. Right. Like, from the stage, there was actually, you were close to the audience who were laughing, but at the back, 
All the guineers just screaming and ranting. And then headliner goes up. This is the funniest thing there. He goes, hey, you motherfuckers, what's going on? And they all cheered like crazy. You guys are the stupidest fucks I've ever seen in my life. They went, wah! <laughs> he did three minutes, no jokes, got off and left. I think he did eight this minutes. This is the host Made or the, the headliner? Once he got oh, on. Oh, my God. And you can't remember who it is? I know who it is, but Mike, uh, Mike. That's a Mike? He's in, he's in England now. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. You're so good with oh, names. Oh, you're talking about Wilmot? Mike he was, Wilmot. He was the headliner? He was the headliner. Mike, one of the fucking best comics, especially for a one-nighter. Destroys yeah. those And dirty. And, and sometimes yeah. that's, the, that's the, well, the guy that you need. You could have been, you could have been uh, Chris Rock at that point. No one would pay attention. And there it is, guys. Stories from Jason Lawrence back when he was a comedian. Uh, guys, to check out the shows and things like that going on at Absolute Comedy, check out absolutecomedy.ca. There's clubs in Ottawa, Toronto, and Kingston. So if you want to see what's going on there at any of the clubs, check out absolutecomedy.ca. And here we go, guys. On deck, we have my buddy Trent McClellan. Um, such a great guy, such a, a force of positivity and, and gratitude. Um, he's a shining example that you can be a good person and hardworking and still achieve. You don't have to be cutthroat and throw other people under the bus. You don't have to step on the backs of others. Um, I can't, I truly, you know, a lot of people say this, uh, I, I say this with all sincerity, can't say enough good things about this guy. It, it's, it's always a great day when I get to talk with Trent. And I, and I mean that from the bottom of everyone on this list are amazing human beings. Trent is going to share some stories of the things that uh, have gone on with him uh, and some perspectives and stuff since uh, our interview a few years back. So I really hope you guys enjoy my, uh, my chat with Trent McClellan. It's been good. I mean, it's been, I mean, as you know, like when you're in entertainment in any capacity, it's just a hustle, right? Like how many pots can you keep on the stove and keep them boiling? And there's always this feeling of dropping a ball with one or two or three or all of them at the same time. Yep. So then I took on the podcast and of course mine is guest based. So you're trying to coordinate, you know, with your schedule and the guest schedule. And so I hired a guest coordinator to kind of like, you know, approach people for me and stuff. And so she's been a real big help, but it's been busy trying to keep that thing going. And then also 22 is crazy because it's Monday to Friday, writing, shooting, like, you know, learning your lines, all that stuff. So that's just madness from Monday to Friday. And so stand-up has kind of got on the back burner, which kind of worked because of lockdowns and all that stuff and comedy clubs being shut down. So it made sense to just go, okay, just put that in the drawer for a while. But now here in Halifax, things are opened up again. So you can actually get back on stage. I'm starting to get that itch, you know, that yeah. stand-up itch again. Like, oh, I have an idea. I think I'll write that down and take it to the stage. And I'm just, so I'm going back into that mode, which is really, really good. And uh, but that's just as 22 is starting to wind down right now. So we're we'll be wrapped up in the middle of March. And so then I kind of dive headfirst back into stand-up and keep the podcast going. So it's been busy, but I'm I'm just grateful to be working, man. Grateful to have a season considering the lockdowns and COVID and our production people have done such a good job of protocol. We get tested once or twice a week and it's just very strict in terms of protocol, but you have to do that just to get, you know, insurance to be able to have a season. So yeah, grateful to be working and, um, you know, I just want to keep it going as, as best I can, but uh, happy, man. Things are good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Things are good. Um, the show itself, 22 is like such a, such an interesting thing because it's like we turn stuff over so quickly. Yeah. So like we make a sketch you know, it either makes the show in terms of airing on CBC or it doesn't, or we throw it up online. And then, like, people are commenting on the sketch and critiquing it and bashing it and dumping on the show and whatever, or they love it. But, like, by the time people see it, we've already made, like, 15 other sketches. Like, we've already moved on yeah. 
like whether the sketch crushes or bombs, it's irrelevant because we're already moving on to the next thing. Yeah. So you kind of just develop this tough skin of like, oh, like well, it's like you're you trashing my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, exactly. not with her I'm anymore. What do you say? I don't care. <laughs> what are you saying? It's fine. But I'm with this person now. And so it's, uh, there's a lot of that. And you just develop this callous and thick skin of just moving on to the next thing. Like nothing's precious, whether it crushed last week or it didn't do well, it's irrelevant because the work the next day is the same. It's like you just get off the next day and we make more stuff. So yeah. that machine just keeps going for like, you know, 18, 19 weeks and then you shut it down. So it, it's, a, it's a very unique bubble to be in when you're making content at that clip, right? It's just uh, yeah. it's a it's a crazy thing to be inside. And I actually forget what we make. So on Monday nights, we bring an audience in. We're lucky enough to have an audience now and distancing and stuff. And so I during the show, that's when we see the final playback of the sketches. So we made the sketches, but I never saw how they edited it with the money, with the music over the top of it, with the graphics, all that stuff. I've never seen the finished product. So I see it for the first time, just like our studio audience does on Monday night. And you sit there and go, oh yeah, I forgot we did that thing earlier in the week. Cause you probably made nine or 10 sketches between Wednesday to Friday, right? Like, yeah. so I'm like, oh yeah, I was in that look. I, I had a crazy like cul-de-sac haircut for this one. I forgot we did, I oh, yeah, have that turned out. Like, it's just, crazy the clip that we make stuff at so uh i i, I discovered just like uh, our studio audience does. i can imagine too like and you you also write for the show too right where you yeah yeah where you yeah. Guys sit down and do the meetings like was that different than writing stand-up oh yeah it's very different and i mean to be totally transparent like i write i mean i write some stuff for the show but it's like we have a team of writers that write majority of things that we do because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is political based and stuff and they're kind of researching and reading and articles and all those kind of things uh, but it's a very different game because stand-up, I get to have an idea, a thought, I think it's funny, I jot down some bullet points or some lines and I can take it on stage and then kind of mold it from there, right. as you know. But with with sketch, it's like, I first thing I have to ask is, what can we actually make? Yeah. Like, what is realistic to think we can do? If I'm writing something with like, yeah, so that you throw me out of a helicopter and then I land on the roof of this car and then there's a car crash, yeah. it's like... We literally have maybe two to three hours to make this sketch total. Like that's yeah. how much time we have. So like you're not having a car chase. There's not going to be, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're not... 18 different, 18 different scene chases. Like we're not making a movie. Here. Yeah. It's we're not, it's not a Michael Bay things. movie. That's what I'm saying. As soon as it's <laughs> exactly. like, well, there's something things I can make. I'm yeah. like, yeah, you can't make transformers. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not going to, an, uh, you know, some, um, uh, you know, aqua tank somewhere where it's like, all right guys, now here's let me train you with an actual Marine, uh, Navy seal. And we're going to get you ready for this next role. So things are done very quickly. So you have to think about that when you're writing. And uh, also, so many people's hands are going to touch it. So the cast are going to put their interpretation of the characters in terms of performance, so what their take is on it. The director is going to direct it in a way that they kind of, they want to hold true to your vision, but they're going to put their, you know, artistic hands on it. And then, of course, editing is going to have a role with it. So, so many different aspects of the show touch the thing that you made. Yeah. And so it's, it's very different. It's a very um, kind of a collective wisdom, I call it. Yeah. It's like everyone's kind of combining uh, people who make props, people who make sets. Like everyone is putting a, a part of that. So it's kind of cool to be part of a team like that. Whereas stand-up is very solitary. Just what I want, the way I want it. 
done tweak it in the moment as i'm doing it like yeah so um there's beauty to both things well and it's and i would say too like a lot of people may not i mean it's tough because some people don't do tv they don't do stand-up so they don't understand either of them right i find stand-up right. easier in the creative aspect not necessarily creating it but having like you said the hands on it right it's like yeah. basically like playing ouija board by yourself you know it's all you <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. who's doing yeah. this who did that yeah, yeah. Whereas, but like who but when that? you're just by right. yourself it's just you because for myself yeah. like i people i've worked on tv shows where they just they didn't even ask me to audition they just saw that i was funny on stage and they've talked to me in person they're like he'll do everything we want but i i, I find it's very different because i when i'm on stage i know the voice i know the character i know what i'm trying to represent so i'm the director yeah. i can give the director what he wants because i know what i want Whereas yeah. on a show, like I was going to say, there's two things that I was kind of curious for. One is when I write the material, I know what I want to say and I know who's going to be yeah. do, delivering the end product. And then I know the character as well. Whereas, you know, when you're, when you're giving something, like, okay, here's my thing. And then you give it away to be edited, changed, whatever. I would imagine that that probably took some time to get used to. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those deals where we, we call it like you're killing your babies, basically. It's yeah. like you have to yeah. be like, Hey, nothing's precious everything can be rewritten and probably will be rewritten. That's the idea you had about the kid coming in, guess what? We can't get a kid. It's COVID. That had to be tested. Uh, we don't have time. We can't get one. Can you rewrite that part? So all these things are always playing a role in what you're making. Yeah. Um, and so you, you have to consider that all the time. And again, because of the clip at which we make it, it's not like you make it and then you sit on it for six months. It's like, no, no, we need you to make another thing after that's done. The second that's wrapped, I'm in a chair, getting that look off, getting a new look on, and we're making another one. And you'll do that sometimes four times a day, right? So whether you're happy with the last thing or not, it's irrelevant. We've already moved on to the next thing. So um, there's a, yeah, you've got to be, you can't be precious with anything. And you also can't take things personally because right. million factors as to why your sketch wouldn't get chosen to get made or if it gets made and it's, it's caught in a different way than the way you thought it should go. It's It's just like, you're part of the machine. So of course it may not look that way. So yeah, that sometimes takes a while for people to get used to that because it's uh, especially as a comedian, you, you feel like, okay, well, I'm a funny person. They chose me to be on the show because I'm a funny person. And now I'm putting this thing out and now you've either not chosen it or you've totally changed the way I wrote it. So yeah. you can start telling yourself stories about that. Like, Maybe I don't have what it takes, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> start getting insecure and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I think you need to you need to callous a little bit and toughen up um, with regards to putting your art out there and your work out there. You know, it's kind of like putting stuff online these days, right? It's just like, all right, might as well put on the helmet. Here it comes, yeah, <laughs> the rocks and the, you know, just, that's the same thing, right? It's like here it comes. So, uh, so you just accept that as part of the job. And I would imagine too, that the, the, the second thing is like going from like, I know how this, or, or at least having an idea of, I think how this character should go. And then a, a director saying, do it differently. Or, or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. did you have a lot of experience yeah. with that stuff before 22? Well, I've done a lot of like commercial work and stuff. Oh, okay, and done, okay. um, yeah. And I don't, I've also, I'd also done another series in Calgary, which was talking English. So it was just ridiculous sketches and scenes where you're teaching English to people in a funny way. So it was right. a whole series that we shot for about a year, year, year and a half. So that was like different stuff, scripts, whatever, you're playing characters. And you're right, sometimes you're like, you might be being too big and you don't realize it, you know? So they're like, okay, we need to bring it down a little bit or, um, so it's always taking that direction. And the thing about acting is acting, big part of it is listening. Like, mm -hmm. what are you getting from the other person? And so you have to take that 
and inflect that into your your lines and what you're doing. Like there's a give and take. It's not just knowing your lines. It's like, well, what's the mood of this? What's that other person giving me? Yeah. And the parallel in stand up, I guess, would be listening to an audience as they laugh. Like, are you ready to just let that laughter come down a little bit and then you deliver the next line? Like there's a listening aspect to it as well. Um, so I think that's the thing that maybe people don't realize is that how much you have to, and you might've just met that person, you know, like you're like, you don't know that person well. you're just like on set that day, two hours, like, all right, let's do this thing. And then boom, done on the next day. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's, you're in a, you're in a washing machine, just spinning round and around and around and the cycle ends in March. And then you come out soaking wet, like, oh, okay, where am I? What am I? What happened? In the dryer now? Okay. In the dryer. <laughs> Show yourself in there. So it's like, that's, that's kind of the, but after, you know, you get used to it after a few months. And this is my fourth year now. So it's like, you, you get used to it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and you're crushing it, dude. I, I love seeing the Instagram stuff where we see all the different looks that they give you. And I, I don't have cable. I haven't had cable in years. So I, I haven't seen, I think I, the only sketch that even comes to mind that I think I saw because of social media was, was you and Mark doing the every day I'm delivering the, the cannabis stuff. The funny thing about the, uh, the mail post office sketch was we're on the street, like a residential street in Halifax. And, uh, you know, we have the whole street blocked off with a police officer you know, like blocking off the street, but like residents further up the street, they don't know what's going on. They just see like two guys dressed in male man uniforms, throwing mail around like two dicks. <laughs> and they're like looking out and they're like, I'm, I'm sure they're like terrified. Like the, the neighborhood's gone to shit. Like yeah. just, they have no idea what we're doing. And we're blasting music on speakers because we're making a, a music video. You know, like it's just, I sometimes catch myself and go like, this is insane. Like this is an insane life to have and to be doing this as a job. But, uh, it's, uh, it's fun, man. We have a, we have a blast with it. It's work at the same time, but it's, we, we have a great time doing it. Nice. And have you had any, yeah. uh, I don't know, anything that stands out in terms of like, a, was there a disaster day? Like in terms of the short time frames, the quick turnovers of costumes, did you guys have anything that just was a complete disaster? You didn't have enough time to, uh, we normally are pretty good. Like we'll, we'll figure it out or squeeze away into it and maybe shoot something else another day or move stuff around. But I remember my second year on the show, first sketch of the year it was the pot smoker sketch or myself and Mark French as the cop and Susan Kent and myself were the two stoners in the car. So these sketches did really well online, like had millions and millions of views. So we did about four of them. Maybe I think it was the second one. I think it was the second one in the sketch. Susan's supposed to, she's a driver. She's supposed to, she's pulled over by Mark. And, and so she, uh, she gets out of the car to run away from Mark who's the police officer. So we do a couple of takes and Susan's running. And I'm like, I don't know, third or fourth take, Susan goes down. She runs and she goes down like in a heap, like in pain. So everyone's like, oh my God, you okay? And what she's done is she's ruptured her Achilles tendon. Like, dude, this is first day of shooting. Like we're like residential street, same thing. Everything's blocked off. And now Susan's like, yeah, like I felt a pop behind my ankle, whatever. And I'm like, this as an athlete, former athlete. I'm like, yeah, that's not good. That's not a thing you want to hear. And Susan was such a trooper. She's like, no, it's okay. That's okay. Let's just, let's just shoot the sketch. You guys can just carry me back to the car. We'll do another take. And we're like, Susan, like, you need to go to the hospital. Like, this is... so they call an ambulance. This ambulance is waiting. Like, it shows up and now it's waiting because Susan's like, oh, sketch just, do we get my coverage? Do we get my coverage yet? We're like, Susan, get in the ambulance. <laughs> so eventually she finally gets in with all, like, the wig and the makeup and stuff and two paramedics and, 
But I was like, that was the start of the season. First sketch, we're like, oh, God, like, do we lose her now for the rest of the year? And she was a trooper. She was back, like, a week later and had a full boot and stuff. But it's like, you just realize, because sometimes the stuff we're doing is physical or it's like you try and make sure they, like, and our crew are really good and production are really good of, like, okay, what's the safest way to do this thing that we're about to do? Because you can't afford to have a cast member go down for, you know, we're only, we only shoot six months. So yeah. you break a leg, you know, like that's, that doesn't heal in six months. So, um, so there's always those things that I always have to consider. And that's what I realized as an actor. It's like, these are all the things and decisions that are considered long before I ever show up to set. I just show up with my stupid wig on like, all right, uh, <laughs> what do you want me to stand? I'm a guy here with a coffee. I don't know. Like, meanwhile, they're like, weeks before like, okay how do we make sure trent doesn't die while he's doing this thing you know like just i'm just like yeah hey uh i'm gonna go to craft services uh see you later yeah we know he's not paying attention he's just walking around with that fucking grin he's just happy there's danger he doesn't know that guy's like a chainsaw we put it in the script so i mean we gotta figure out a way to just how do we not let that that happen that is true of comedians. We have that inherent nature where it's like, it's dangerous. Yeah, but it's going to get a laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we'll, ch- yeah, yeah. we'll chase the laugh well, harder than the danger. Well, that's what something someone told me once, too. And it's like, the difference with comedians is we'll look at a horrible scenario, like audience-wise or show-wise, and go like, oh, this is a terrible setup and this crowd. And look how the seating is and the lighting's terrible and the mic is shit. Well, I'm next. I'll just walk <laughs> up into this thing that's like we know is terrible. Yeah. Any other human being would take in the same data and go, oh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to go perform there. That's insane. But we go, no, this will be terrible. <laughs> and I'm about to prove to it. And you just walk right in. It's just, that's who we are as people. Like, who, who does that? Like, yeah. yeah. Right. So that, is that dangerous? Yes. Alrighty, I'm on my way, sprinting headfirst into it. What, I've got over my time. Okay, all right. Like you know. Yeah. Then we're concerned that. that we might not be invited back. Oh, I went long. Shit. I hope they don't. <laughs> exactly. To this awful scenario. <laughs> yeah, maybe they forget my name and never invite me back to this absolute car wreck ever again. So, uh, yeah. So I think you're right. Sometimes with. Uh, especially people who have the stand-up uh, background, they're probably like, yeah, we need to make sure we give them a framework with, with, with which not to hurt themselves yeah. because they will do whatever we've asked them to do. You know? so, <laughs> I think earlier this year, I was doing push-ups on two massive soup cans for like ridiculous Campbell soup workout commercial. Okay. So they were like, Trent, uh, I think you could balance yourself on the two massive soup cans and just do push-ups off those. I'm like, I'll try it, of course. So like, I'm trying to do this. They're like, yeah, can you just keep doing them? I'm like, I mean, I don't know how many of these I can crank out balancing myself on two cans of soup. Like, okay, cut. I think we got it. I'm like, good. As I have rings in my hands from the soup can. It's just, I'm like, it's a limit. You know, Josh? It's oh, yeah. a limit. Absolutely. Make it a limit. <laughs> oh, man. I, well, that's my motivation every day. You think like, you know, you see, and I, I, don't knock, I don't knock anybody who works for a living. Anybody doing a job where you get paid, you go to work every day and you work your ass off. I'm like, my hat's off to anybody, but I just know my own personality. And I'm sure you're the same. I was just like, I just don't know how, when that alarm went off in the morning and I'm like, that's what I got to go do. Like, how do I stay? So that's my motivation to try and work as hard as I can in the entertainment world. Is like, you want to stay in this world. You want to keep creating and making stuff and enjoying what you're doing every day. You know, I think I can't remember. It was one of the, the cast members of, uh, Oh, sorry. It was, uh, 
Lori Grenier, I heard her on Shark Tank. She said, yep. you know, entrepreneurs, which is effectively what we are as entertainers, right? We're our self-employed yep. or whatever. Definitely. She said entrepreneurs are the only people who will work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like we'll, we'll put it's our heads so down and do all the other stuff, but it's just yeah. funny. Cause people will say, I'm sure you've had people say this to you after shows too, where someone's like, they, they watch you time. Like they, they're like, man, I could, I could never do what you do. And I go, I, I could never do what you do. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, both ways. yeah, Don't like worry. I have tons of respect. People are like they got these great jobs and they're lawyers or, you know, whatever it is, doctors and it'd be a great job. Yeah. I could never do, I could never do what you do. I'm like, I will yeah, yeah. stand in front of thousands of people and just have them eat me alive versus like yeah. type up this form. I don't want to do that. You know how many folders there are? I don't know which do folder. That. And like, it's a bunch of stuff. Like I don't relate to like retirement, for example. Like I don't, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand this whole concept like of like, okay, well, eventually you're just going to do this thing. And that was, that's the implication, right? That you're going to do this thing that you hate for 30, 40 years. And eventually yeah. one day you'll be able to walk away and then you won't have to do it anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but what if you just did the thing you loved? Well, you, well, you realize like you were, you, we're all part of like, you know, the industrial you know revolution, right? So it's like people were just setting up factories. Like you're going to do this task repeatedly over and over and over again for our company. And then you make money. We make more money than you do, but you make some money. And then we need you to do this for a while. But I heard that also the concept of retirement was done so that you could get old people out of the workforce so that you then would be creating jobs for younger generations coming through. It was never meant to be a goal. It was literally just done to create jobs. It was never like someday I get to retire. It was like, you know, we're just doing this as an economic boost program to try and create jobs for people. But now people look at it as a goal, like 10 more years and I get to retire. It's like, yeah, but what about those 10 years? Like, what are you, you're just going to do the thing you hate because you get to step away from it for 10 years and live on retirement savings that are actually aren't that much. And it's going to be a tight living. Like, I just, I don't know. I just found it. I never, I never drank that Kool-Aid. I never, ever got it. No. And it, and I think honestly, it's a good point because just while you were explaining that, just the metaphor that popped in my head is like, it's like two people in a bad relationship, but they have kids. So they're like, Oh, another 10 years and the kids are off to college. Then we can, you know, move on with our lives. It's like, yeah, but that's just an excuse to not chase your happiness now. Well, I have to do it because this in 10 years, I can retire in 10 years. The kids are gone and we can go our separate ways. And it's like, well, everyone knows you're not happy now. It would not. Well, Lori Kilmerton was on my podcast a few weeks ago, the writer comedian. She mm-hmm. writes for Conan. She told a great story. She unfortunately lost her mom to COVID last year. Um, and she talked about her dad had died a number of years prior. Her mother and her father had always talked about taking a cruise. They're going to take a cruise one day and save up some money and go. They never got to take the cruise. Her father passes away. So then Lori says to her mom, she says, Mom, why don't you, you know, you have some money, a life insurance policy. Why don't you, you and your friends go on a cruise? You've always wanted to go. You and dad didn't get to go. Why don't you go? And her mother was so worried about, I want to hold on to the money. And you never know what could happen. I should hold on to the money. <laughs> and she goes, and she goes, and then my mom died without ever taking a cruise. You know, so there's almost this mentality of like, oh, you never know. You better wait. You better wait. It's like, wait for what? Like, what do we, I get you got to pay your bills and rent and people need groceries and all those things. But like, What's everybody waiting for? It's like this, I feel like that's that golden egg everyone's been given in the distance, you know, like in retirement, this new life is going to unfold and you shall now be happy. It's like, you might not make it to retirement. No one promised you that, oh, you'll be A, alive and B, healthy. If you are alive, (laughs) 
who knows what capacity you'll be in to be able to go finally go to Europe. It's like, no, you're not traveling to Europe because you have an oxygen tank that you carry around now all day. Like, who knows? So I feel like, man, live for the day. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's so true. And a lot harder to do. Easy to say, very, very hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. No, and you're you're right. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm I've been trying to convince my mom over the last year. Um, she's never been really anywhere. She's traveled, you know, I think she came to New York with me early and stand up for just for one day, had a blast. She didn't want to go, but came with, had a blast. She went with my brother to Los Angeles and she was buzzing around Los Angeles all by herself. My brother was going to some conference thing and she was just zipping around in a rental car in Los Angeles, had the time of her life, but she's, yeah, but she's always, I'd say always wanted to go to like Italy and see the pyramid. So she's big on Roman stuff. She's big on, on Egyptian stuff. And I was just like, well, yeah. why don't we get you to Italy? Let's go for a week or whatever. And you can see the places you want. She's like, oh no. And I think it's the mentality for her is that I think she thinks it's not going to happen. So she won't allow herself the, 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 the dream. The dream. Yeah. So I bought her this, you know, a, a travel book for Italy at Christmas time. Yeah. Just, just look, flip through it. I go, I know Italy was like COVID central for the longest time and we're in lockdown and who knows when things are going to back, but let's, but just curate this, this thing. And then when we can, let's just do it. And that way, you know, it's one less thing that's on your list of regrets when you get to the end. Like she's in her late sixties. So yeah, yeah. Pull the, yeah, pull the trigger and do it. I, I always say to people, like, if you give it a date, and you actually go like on that date, I'm buying a ticket to Milan or whatever. It's like, and you execute on that date. That's all it is. It's literally just have a thought, pick a date, execute on it. And that's how quickly that dream can become a reality. But we overthink it. We talk about money and I can't afford it, whatever. It's like, you know how much money you pissed away <laughs> on bullshit over the course of your lifetime? You know how much money you spent on eating out or coffee? or garbage things that you just bought once and threw in a closet and never used it. There's you know a I mean? lot of shopping network recycling box boxes and you're recycling exactly. there. <laughs> <That's a lot. laughs> exactly. So why would you just pull the trigger and go, you're going to figure it out and you'll never regret it. You'll always go, man, what a great time. What an experience. And uh, I just feel like not enough people live that way. It's just like we always want to hold on to it and hold on to it. And someday, someday, it's like, man, how many folks never get to someday? A lot. Most people, yeah. I would argue. Most yeah. people never get to someday. So, yeah. So that's my speech. And thank you for listening to my TED Talk, Joshua. <laughs> Dude, it's always a pleasure. Any questions? Yeah. <laughs> Any questions in the back? I want to say to you, congratulations, because uh, 200 episodes of anything is huge. 200 episodes of a TV show, 200 episodes of a podcast is huge. It's a, it is a legitimate milestone that I think you should be proud of and should be recognized because, uh, you know, I, I have my own podcast, but I know it's not always easy to find motivation to like, okay, I got another thing and you've been so consistent with it. You, you've continued to push through. And so, man, I hope you've just taken some time for yourself to realize like, yeah, yeah, I, hey man, 200 episodes is a lot, it's a lot of content to put out in the world and yeah. develop a following. And so, uh, that's off to you, my friend and congratulations. Well done. Here's to uh, 200 more. And there it is, guys. Great human being, Trent McClellan, good buddy of mine. Uh, please check him out on This Hour Has 22 Minutes. He's one of the main cast members on that from the stories you just heard there. And he also has a great podcast called The Generators Podcast, where he talks to other people who are creating content, creating things in the world, and uh, and just people who are generating things, uh, you know, contributing. Great, great guy. Thanks, Trent, for chatting with me, and thank you for your kind words. My last guest on the podcast this week uh, for the 200th episode is my buddy, Paul Verzi. Uh, For those of you who picked up the limited edition collector's box, there is an exclusive episode in there that will tell you a lot more about Paul's influence on the one man podcast. And uh, I'll just say for you guys here briefly that Paul was 
probably the reason that I started it. Um, just in terms of his encouragement, his suggestions, what he demonstrated live and just the power of the podcast. Um, so that's the reason why I saved him for us. This milestone, just a little bit of an opportunity to spend some time with my buddy, Paul Verzi. Um, Paul's is going to be a longer one. So I hope you guys sit back as Paul Verzi would say, sit back, relax, wherever you may be in your cubicle, in your car. And, uh, please enjoy my chat with my buddy, Paul Verzi. When you know that and you get past that and you realize it and you can move on knowing your self-worth, that's great. So good for you. I'm glad you're doing well and I'm ready to rock. The last time you and I chatted on the podcast would have been right after I'll say this. What made you decide to not go with undeniable? Undeniable meaning for the name of, for the name of what? The special? The special yeah. We had a cigar and a, and a scotch uh, in your backyard and you're like, I think an undeniable. Yeah. Uh, this is before I, we named it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were talking about like, I'm thinking of names, but I'm thinking undeniable. You know, it's funny because I feel like that's the word that everybody uses, right? That's the word that, that, that Steve Martin uses. I remember when I would work with big comics and everybody just knows like when you get undeniable for the industry and they have to say yes, even if they don't want to. But I think, I think for the first one out of the gate, I, I didn't want to come across as arrogant. I knew, I knew that the work was going to be there and I knew that the special was going to be what we, what I wanted. I I just, I I knew with the tapings, especially the second one, which I knew that we got it, but I felt like saying undeniable out of the gate could, I didn't want people to start off and my personality, Josh, to Mm. be honest, I didn't want people to start out with, oh, really? You know, arms crossed. Right. You know, you're sitting back with your arms crossed going, okay, this kid's talking shit out of the gate. And then it almost it almost makes them look for an excuse to go, well, that I didn't find that. So what I wanted to do was I kind of wanted the first one to be like, if you remember, if you remember the movie Rocky One, Rocky One, when he did it in 76, he's this no-name guy that they literally picked out of a book to fight the champion. The American dream is we're going to give a nobody a shot. Not saying that I was a nobody, but I was kind of an unknown coming up. If you were a real comedy nerd, you knew me, but it wasn't to the level that until when I'll say this came out and, right. and then the podcast came out and stuff. So at the end of, towards the end of the fight in Rocky one or the middle of the fight, he's getting his ass kicked, but then he just hits Apollo with a hard right. And the movie changed and Apollo felt it. And it was like, oh, so I kind of wanted to be not under the radar, but like, watch what, you know, I got a little bit of a, I got a little bit of a punch that I want these people to see. And so I feel like if I would have come out with undeniable out of the gate, it would have been something where um, I really like people's, I didn't want you to have your defense up before my set. So I think talking to the team, it was like, yeah, I really think that the show was great, but let's just go with, you know, I'll say this, it's just me talking and we'll see. And, and, and that was kind of the reasoning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. All right. You know what I realized? You, you guys are right. Every now and again, someone will reach out and go, you know what? This podcast is way too long, way too long. You should just make it shorter because I can only listen for 30 minutes at a time or whatever it is. So you know what? Maybe I'll just take I'll take that advice considering that no one has really refuted it or anything like that. I'll, I'll take the advice and I'll make this one shorter than originally intended. So I'm, I'm pulling the plug on the Verzi interview for right now, because this episode is long enough. And, uh, I invite you guys to come back 
episode 201 where I will play this chat in its entirety um, so you guys can enjoy it then because it's already running way too long, right? That's the thing with this podcast. You guys, you know, are probably getting bored as it is right now, so may as well just save it for another time. Uh, I wanted to thank everybody for listening to the, the, you know, the episode thus far, and I'll just move on with some of the stuff that, you know, cause it's just, we just don't have, we're running out of time guys. You know, you got to make a cut somewhere. So come back next week, 201. I will play the Verzi, uh, interview. So what I'm going to move on to right now is some emails. So thank you. I got some emails and I'm super stoked to read them. My buddy Ivan writes like yourself. I grew up watching Bill and Ted. Both movies hold a special place in my heart. I didn't enjoy the third one as it's 30 years too late and likely cooked up in 30 minutes. Only person that was into the project 100% was Alex Winter. Dude legit gave it his all and made me laugh a few times. Nice to see death again too. Just something about a couple of rock loving dudes trying to do right by the world and chat up babes along the way. By the way, it's pretty cool how you actually met George Carlin. Bet the experience was most excellent. It most certainly was, Ivan. Uh, cheers, buddy, and congrats on the 200th. Enjoy the moment. And he uh, even sent me a picture of Bill and Ted, like, you know, just doing their thing. Love it. Love it. Ivan, thank you so much. Yeah, it was cool meeting Carlin. And actually, in episode number one of the One Man Podcast, uh, I, I told the story of how I met George Carlin. So for anyone who wants to go back and go, you met George Carlin? Yes. If this is your first time, it's your first experience with One Man Podcast, you're still listening this deep in. Um, yeah, my very first episode, different dynamic, man me sitting at the dining room table, just kind of talking into the emptiness at like one o'clock in the morning. The energy is certainly different on that very first episode. I've, I'd like to think I've come a long way in terms of being able to tell a story and, and cut the fat off of that. But yeah, dude, I had a blast and I, and I agree now I haven't wrote in about his thoughts on, on uh, Bill and Ted, but I asked him, you know, Hey, did you like the originals? Appreciate the, uh, the email, buddy. Couldn't tell you how much uh, it means to me. My pal, Izzy, Izzy who co-hosted 196 with me. Izzy, right? Uh, I would like to know what your favorite thing is about your least favorite season. Um, and then, uh, and your favorite thing about your least favorite person training your positivity. Okay. So my favorite thing about my least favorite season, I would have to say it's winter. Um, only because, you know, if I like, if I can find the motivation to go out for a walk or, or go be active, uh, winter's the worst time to do it. I hate slot. <laughs> it's like, what was your favorite thing? And I'm like, I hate this. I hate that. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to start just, I just, I, I don't mind. I hate wearing too much. You know, I put on a lot and I end up sweating inside. So like finding that perfect level of wrapped up is difficult for me. Um, and that the whole idea is like, I, I don't know why, but I slip a lot in winter. You know, well, I, I know it's the ice, but I'm saying that just, just walking on sidewalks that are already salted. There's just a lot of slipping, sliding. I'm getting older. So all I need is my leg to shoot out you know, one way or the other to tweak my sciatica, like my sciatic nerve and just pinch it for the day. And then I'm fucked. I'm laying around in pain. So just, it's just, it's not even appetizing. If I was like, all right, I got myself all wrapped up, whatever. All I need is to step, you know, one spot that's just a little too icy or not salted properly. And I can fuck my day up. Um, spot, but what I, what I do like, uh, geez, what do I like about the winter? I guess Christmas, that's a nice season where everyone's being nicer than they normally would, which is odd that people, you know, save their kindness and courtesy. I told you guys earlier this episode that I went for lunch with Jason. And I asked the, the server, you know, we all ordered a beer or whatever. And then it was like, I said, oh, and if you don't mind, if I could bug you for a, if I could trouble you for a glass of water whenever you have a minute, they're like, oh, could I trouble you for, you know, what's funny too. My other friends, I was on the phone with my little PlayStation group. I was going through a drive through the other night and I was polite to them. They're like, oh, could I love you? Will you be, cause I said, please. And thank you. 
I've talked about this. Okay, listen, I'm not even talking about my, what I love about my least favorite. I'm talking about what I hate the most about people. Because <laughs> it always comes back to this. There's, it bothers me when people aren't courteous, right? I'm talking about Christmas. <laughs> this is the Christmas thing, Lynn. I It bothers me when people aren't courteous. And what, re, like and I going to say, it almost infuriates me is when people make someone feel bad for being courteous. There's already enough of you motherfuckers who aren't polite, who don't say please and thank you. And the fact that you want to discourage, you want to shame or insult, or even if you're just busting balls, but it's like, no, you know what? You're wrong for not doing it. I'm not wrong for being polite. It costs me nothing. I even said, you know, Jay, them. I was like, you know what, man? That's, that blows my mind. There's, there's so many people who will jump down your throat to criticize what you're doing and make you feel bad. And then the fact that, you know, the, the few people who are courteous, you know, there's people around who like want to make them feel bad for being courteous. Why is it? Cause you can't figure it out. Is it because you're a grown adult and please and thank you is, is eluded you your entire life. I make so many mistakes, but holy fuck courtesy. Never. I, it, it just still, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Um, what do I like about my least favorite season? I don't know. Hot chocolate. And even I don't do that that much. Like I, I really, oh man. And I, I get, I like the, I like the exercise. What's my favorite thing about it? Um, I'm not one of those people who thinks it's pretty when it snows out. Uh, I hate having to clean the salt off my car all the time. I'm really trying to think about like some of the things that other people are like, Oh, it's pretty cause it's snowing and look at all the snow in the ground. I don't give a shit. I don't care. It's in my way. Um, what, what is my birthday? I'm, my birthday's in January. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's go with that. My, my favorite thing about my least favorite season is that it's my birth. Like, you know, that's my birthday. And I'm reminded on that day, how many people love me. Cause everyone comes together and, you know, wishes me happy birthday. So there you go. My favorite thing about my least favorite season is my birthday. Um, my favorite thing about my least favorite person. I can, you know, there's, there's only, it's funny. There should be more people. I, you really, really you, it's, it's kind of funny. I have a policy to not really dislike people. You know, the more I learn about psychology and stuff, the more I empathize with everybody. And the more, the more I realize, you know, that it's not like there's good and evil people out there. It's all choices. And the more I learn about why we make bad choices, you know, people do things that are harmful because they're, they don't love themselves or whatever. And so I don't end up disliking somebody. I end up feeling sorry, pitying people, um, so there's not really a whole lot of people that come to mind. And the thing is that if I, if I really don't like you, I, I have almost already tried to run the gambit of, of trying to find things to like about you. So if you end up as my least favorite person, there's, there's very, there's, there's almost no redeeming qualities about you. You know what I mean? And that's tough because there's, there's, I can't, I can't, I can count on one hand how many people I, I truly dislike. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like I, I'm thinking of somebody right now. No, I can't think of a redeeming quality. So now it's like, well, what do I do? Do I just grab someone at random that I don't really like and redeem them? Um, fuck. That's a, it's a tough one. Again, I, I love the exercise and I feel like if I was like the old Josh, me would, would be like, Oh, so-and-so I don't like, but the man, are they a really, really funny comedian or something like that? But it's funny. Cause there's like two people that come to mind that are comics. They're not funny. You know, it's not like they don't have a particularly good work ethic. Like I'm trying to go like, well, maybe they work hard. No, they, they're funny. No. Are they kind? No. You know what I mean? So like, you know, are they working on themselves? Do they have any side projects they're really good at? No. Fuck. It's a tough one. I'm trying. I really, I want to give you an answer. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sidestep the question. I'm just, I'm being open to the question. I'm, I'm having a difficult time. 
this is tough. I don't, I don't even want the dead air. Uh, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm at a complete loss. Like, okay, can I just, I'll, I'll try this so that I'm not just sitting here going, Ugh. there's people that I feel like are mean or whatever like that. But then you just go like, oh, well, that person's really sad. And you look at some of the other things they do. You know what? They're actually a really good artist or something like that. God, this one kills me. It's, I'm a really empathetic person. I I've even told jokes on stage about how like it's make be the more empathy I build, the more it's really hard for me to like hate and dislike people. You don't hate somebody that you pity. You know what I mean? So like, that's the thing too, is I just like, I'm not like, I hate you. Like, who are these? Fuck. Okay. Let's go Trump. That's an easy one. Right. I dislike that guy, you know? Uh, and even then, like, what do I like about him? Um, no, I don't know. He's failed at business so many times, but he keeps trying. Like, I feel like that guy, even that guy, it's like, he's so narcissistic. He's so sick in the head that it's like, it's like, it's like blaming somebody, you know, and I'm not trying to insult people with like, you know, uh, special needs or anything like that, but it's like, you know, it's, it's hard to, to, to fault somebody when you're like, their, their head is so fucking messed up. See what I mean? Like you just, you just empathize with people. It's hard to just uh, dislike you. I dislike Trump. Because of the shit he stirs up. Ah, fuck. Fuck your question. <laughs> fuck you. You know what I like, Izzy? Right now, you're my least favorite person for asking me this question. So you know what I like about you? You work so hard in positivity <laughs> and uh, and and empathy. And you you're seem to be such a sweet, accepting person. Um, that's what I like the most about you. <laughs> I hope that answered the question. Thank you for the email. I appreciate it. Izzy actually busted my balls because... I, you know, I was like, yo, uh, you just hosted, send me an email for the 200. And she goes, here's an email. Sends me an email. Here's an email. And I go, I go, well played. Send me another one. She goes, here's another one. I go, I'm going to kill your family. (laughs) And then she's like, fine. And then send me the email that we got. So thanks is for the email. My buddy, Mark Forrester, someone I know has been a, a listener since day one. Um, and Mark is great because if I am late for an episode, if I wake up, Wednesday morning and I am behind. I have not posted the episode. Um, I will have a text message going, uh, it's Wednesday morning. Where's the podcast? Which I love. Makes me feel like people want it. So Mark just sent congratulations on the 200th episode. I've enjoyed every episode and look forward to many more to come. Keep up the great work. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for your uh, efforts in keeping me motivated and giving me a, a tap every time I'm uh, you know, dragging my ass. Thank you very much. And of course, my pal Red. Red sends happy 200th. Hey there, buddy. Uh, happy 200th. I'm so glad you've continued with this project. And even though sometimes you drive me crazy with your rantings, I'm glad we have this to help us keep in touch. So be a good bitch and keep up the good work. Love of love. It says love of love. And I don't know if that's a typo or if that means something that I'm unaware of, but love of love, your friend read. P.S. Ronan says, hi. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he's got him saying that now her, her son Ronan. He goes, oh, Jesus. Uh, if I could figure out how to save an audio, uh, save a video into audio form on this, I could edit it in and get him saying it, but, uh, it's just a cute little thing from, uh, from my little buddy. So, uh, those are the emails coming in from the onesies Four emails this week. Like I said, they don't have to be long and crazy, just something short and sweet. Uh, a few other people have texted me, uh, just saying, Hey, congrats on 200, whatever. Um, super excited to have these there guys. Thank you so much for listening to the 200th episode of the one man podcast. Tune in again. You know, every week, every Wednesday, there'll be another one of these. Next week, I'll uh, I'll give you that uh, that little Paul Verzi thing that I took away. The Josh giveth and the Josh taketh away. Um, but I, I appreciate all the time that you guys have spent with me. Contact at One Man Podcast. Anytime that you want to share something with me, I will read it here on the podcast. It always gives you a voice. Uh, whether you agree with me or not or whatever you want to say, come at me, brah, 
or whatever, I will, uh, I will read it. I'm, uh, I'm going to get ready to, uh, do that show this evening, that JFL originals. And then what I've got for this week, I'm going to hang out with my buddy, Mark, whose email I just read. We're going to do uh sit down and, uh, and sip on some whiskeys. Just take it easy. I'm going to go have, uh, you know, uh, just honestly, just try to take a deep breath. The boxes are done, completed and being delivered. Speaking of which, uh, you guys will probably see on Instagram if you're following it, uh, just what some of the stuff in there looks like. I do still have a few boxes left. It's not too late. So if you decide, you know what, that looks super cool and I want one, Hey, you might be a first time listener. You go, you know what? I, I want to be on the ground floor. I want to dive in with both feet. I'm a onesie, you know, through and through. Send me an email, contact my podcast. I will get one of these to you lickety split. Um, very, very cool. I appreciate all you guys. And I will talk to you again soon. Yesterday, just a dream I don't remember. Tomorrow, still a hope I've yet to endure. I'm out of time, I'm out of rhyme, I'm out of reason. Seasons change and leave me out in the cold. So is old, tell me, told by many scholars. Got a fist full of dollars and pocket full of love. Sell my soul, but no one's buying. Lord, strike me down now if I'm lying. It's getting cold, it's time for dying. Come on and watch me shine.
me bleed. 